0: Yo, what up, my funky people? Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by LB Altimeters. LB Altimeters is not necessarily the official sponsor of the show, but Mr. P and I do a lot of side projects for l We actually do their live interviews once a month for uh, their featured athletes. They've actually helped us with our studio. They've helped us with a lot of our equipment and a lot of our gear. So we really want to sh- uh, send a, a shout-out and some love to LB Altimeters. I have been jumping their products since I started skydiving. started in 1997. In '98, I brought my first. I bought my first LMB device. It was a ProTrack One back then. Uh, I'm sorry, a a, a, um, a, a Pro Ditter. And uh, since then, I've had devices left and right. My second device was a ProTrack. Uh, their customer service is second to none. Uh, over the years, they've had to uh, bring it back just a little bit. And, and what I mean by that is, I sat on my first ProTrack. I broke it. I sent it to the manufacturer. Asked if there was a repair process, and they sent me a brand new one, saying, "Thanks for being a customer." Over the years, people have abused that process just a little bit, so now they offer a two-year warranty. But still, there's very little questions asked, and they're very friendly, and they're very good. You can always hit them up through their Facebook page. Uh, Larson and Bruce Guard is what they're known as on Facebook, LB Altimeters. They have a service center here in the U.S., and then one based out of Spain for their European customers. They have uh, devices for you, visual altimeter, audible altimeter, you name it, they've got it, and some of the most accurate devices you'll ever find. The ProTrack 2, by far my favorite device, four beeps in free fall, four beeps under canopy. You can turn them all off, you can turn them all on, do whatever you want. Super, super easy to navigate and easy to read display And you can plug it into your computer and download the data to Paralog uh, Logbook so it's all right there at the click of a finger. Want to know how fast you were going on a skydive? Want to know how high you pulled? Want to know where you exited from? It's all on one screen, super easy to read. LB is a great family. They're a great crew and treat their customers as if they're their number one priority. LMB has set the standard for customer service in the industry, and many, many manufacturers today have followed their model. Option Studios is also a big sponsor of ours. Option Studios has been with us from the beginning. Monty is our mascot. If you've ever seen the Gravity Lab radio logo, that was designed by Adam Buckner, who knew of the show from day one and really helped me uh, conceptualize what we were trying to do and put together uh, the logo itself. Adam has a great mind and is really good at listening to what the customer wants. We've talked about that in the past. It's not always what I want as a brand. It's what the customers want from me, and Adam at Option Studios does the same thing. Adam is really good at listening to your wants and your needs and giving you what you want. At the same time, helping you explore and understand outside of your comfort zone and helping you Understand, explore what your customers want because you don't always recognize how to to translate that information. PullupCords.com is their website. That's their website partially because they are the guys to go to for custom pull up cords. You want them thin, you want them long, you want them skinny, you want them fat. It doesn't matter how you want it, they can make it. You get custom designs, custom logos on everything, and they have set that standard as well. wind blades, pull up cords, you name it, they got it. And lately, they've been known the most for those pro jerseys. Uh, the pro jerseys, you've seen them on Gravity Lab. You've seen them on the Rating Center. You've seen them from everybody else as well. Super comfy, super fit. You'll love the way they wear. Check out Option Studios. Go to pullupcords.com. You can find them on Facebook, on Instagram, under pullupcords uh, under uh, uh, Option Studios. Man, my brain is broken tonight. But uh, tonight we had a very good friend of ours on the show, Dustin Marlett, also known as Dustin Mallrat to some of us. He started skydiving, oh about seven, eight years ago. Real good buddy of ours and has just moved back to the United States, spent some time in Europe, and uh, we'll talk about what the air scene is like there. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat
1: missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all <almost. laughs>
0: I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity
2: Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott.
1: Have we Perfect. talked about skydiving the whole time? You know, like I, doll No, hairs. I don't know. What, you, <laughs> what do you mean? Red eye. Ready? Red eye. Okay. Kind of like doll red, hair. Red eye like a Jedi. Give me five doll hairs. Doll hairs. Yep, I yeah. got those. Yeah. Right arm. I know, right arm. I know that one. So, red eye. I just hadn't heard that one. Yeah, yeah. Same idea, man. I'm not going to use it. Have you hit record (laughs) on that thing already? It's like goat head. Go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Well, I'm waiting for you to say something. Go ahead. Go ahead. God, this is so (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you remembered how to do Uh, that now. That was a really bad start. (laughs) Yeah, I was just messing with you. (laughs) Well, we're waiting on you, buddy. So, uh, we're trying something new. We are just trying to go live and recording. We used to play an intro. I'll yep. post the re- intro on the end of the show, Okay. and it's a 30-second intro, and imagine sitting here with the music playing in your head, and now nobody talking. It gets people nervous. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're just trying to go live and hit go live, but this asshole over here is just trying to fuck the whole system up, man. <laughs> Gosh, the go- profanity <laughs> is so much already. Man, I'm just angry, dude. See what sobriety does take, to me? Take a
1: breath. <laughs> Have a sip of your seltzer water, Grandpa. <laughs> well, I welcome our buddy Dustin Marla to the show. Thank you. Hey, how are you, man? Good. you looking good. <laughs> Feeling good, sharp ass haircut, you handsome devil.
0: <laughs> Man, one of my favorite things about this show is making everybody's uh, pictures or putting together a little montage of pictures. Yeah. And that one picture in on the bottom right corner. Did you look at that, bro?
2: Bro, I had a Bruh. good laugh at that one. <laughs> I got a big old fucking round head. Like <laughs> that was when I was working at a desk and yeah, not uh not flying at all and skydiving a little bit and. Yeah, it definitely looked a little different.
0: How, old was it? How long ago was that picture?
2: That was probably early 2011. And what were you
0: doing back then?
2: I was working for a commercial construction company doing fire protection work here in Houston.
0: Fire protection work? Yeah,
2: like sprinkler systems okay. and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: And you started skydiving in 2012, if I remember right? Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah about you, this time, 2012. Maybe so a little bit later.
0: Seven-ish years now? Yep. What got you into skydiving? What drew you to this world?
2: So when I was in university, I, w- I went to Arizona State. And uh, my, uh, my freshman year, spring break, we, uh, me and a few buddies, we went to South Padre. And uh, we were drunk one night and came back to our hotel. And as we were walking in, there was a guy selling tandem jumps in the lobby. And uh, a buddy of mine was just like, hey, man, let's go and do a tandem. And I had no desire to do it. And he pulled out his mom's credit card and paid for like three or four of us to go and uh immediately after that happened this is like two three o'clock in the morning the guy tells us okay now you have to be back down here at 7 a.m to take the bus to the airport to go do your tandem so we uh went back to the room and just partied until seven in the morning and went down and got on this bus and I felt like I was gonna die and finally we got to the airport and got up in the plane and jumped landed on the beach right in front of our hotel and I remember landing and thinking, man, that was insane. Like, I got to do this again. And we got back to Arizona after that, and I did another tandem with my stepmom and uh, the same buddy and a couple other friends in uh, Sedona. And then after that, I did a couple other tandems with buddies in Arizona. And I knew I wanted to get my license, but I was in college and didn't, yeah. have, didn't have the money to do it. So I uh, just waited till I had a real job, and that was why I started when I moved to Houston.
0: How many tandems did you have before you started? the license program
2: i did four tandems three in arizona one in south padre and then i had to do one at spaceland to start the program
1: just that recurrency. yeah just the well, recurrency
2: yep so i ended up doing five tandems before i actually did a solo man. and then
1: you, you got right into the program after that solo
2: yeah i did uh i think i did on memorial or yeah i did it memorial day weekend i think which is coming right up yeah and then uh, i started the program shortly after that like within a month
0: yeah, I could imagine seeing I, the whole story started at South Padre Island, man. And SPI yeah. is, is a place my wife and I like to go to visit to chill. It's, it's such a little vacation spot. Have you
1: been there? No, but I've heard that the beach is worth traveling there for.
0: It's the best beach in Texas. I ain't saying it's phenomenal. It is yeah. the best beach in Texas, no doubt. Yeah. There are days that you can go out there and see crystal clear blue water. It's not normal. It's not common. Um, no. Most days you can see past your knee, which, I mean, here in Galveston, you're lucky to see past your ankle. Day. When it's I was there, it was more
2: like Galveston.
0: Yeah. And uh it's got some decent breaks, some decent sand. We're here our sand is just trashy. Yep. Um so it it's a good place but super super laid back island lifestyle for sure. Yeah, no, it's really nice. <clears throat> Man, I could imagine checking out uh SPI from from the sky dude. It's just got to be a beautiful scene.
2: Yeah, I remember it was super cloudy that day. My uh my camera my video man actually didn't jump because they could, they didn't see, they couldn't tell if we were over the water or not, so they what stayed in the plane. What a fucking plane. bitch! It, it was a woman. I don't remember. Who <laughs> <that>. oh, well, <laughs> now I'm just sexist. I, I, I wish I remember who it was.
0: Man, I <laughs> wonder. Do you know Joe Fro? Joe Sylvia? No, I don't. Man, was uh, what's her nuts jumping back then? What's her nuts? Joe's ex uh, ex, yeah. Jess, that's Jessica. Jessica Rankin? Rankin? Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't her. Okay. It wasn't her. She yeah, went yeah. down there and shot some video Yeah, but this was though.
2: in like uh this was 2005, 2006. Oh, yeah, yeah it was it was way 2006. Back when. Yeah. How old are you? I'll be 32 in July.
0: Damn. Okay, I didn't realize you were that old. Yeah. So old man? Yeah, getting up there. I've known quite a few people work down at SPI, but that time frame I didn't know anybody yet. But Have you ever Texas? heard
1: of that situation where the videographer is not willing to go and the tandem instructor is no, it's always the other way around, dude, if right. anything.
2: She climbed out and climbed right back in. I was like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm not going. And the tandem instructor just fucking pushed me out. There you go. You found a real he, man. He was getting paid.
0: <laughs> so was, I mean, could y'all see the ground?
2: Uh, it, there, we were, there was a, if I remember correctly, there was a big cloud below us.
0: Yeah, uh, We don't know anybody's names. We don't know anything else. So, I mean, no, he's going to get
1: in trouble.
2: Yeah. No, 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 no. I... Uh, I I was pretty intoxicated at the time, so I don't
1: necessarily. <laughs> yeah. remember. I think there, yeah. was, there, there was something cloudy about the situation. Yeah. Maybe yeah. your memory, yeah.
0: <laughs> man. It's uh, as a tandem instructor. There's no doubt you get students walking up. They're like, uh, "I wonder if this guy is drunk." Um, Nick,
1: you shoot video. I'm sure you've come across yeah, that more I, than once. I've definitely smelled that more than a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and honestly, it really. D- I I understand that some people might need a drink to be okay with yeah. with jumping out of an airplane. I get it. And as long as you're like keeping yourself together, and it's not like, even if someone smells, but they're composed, like it's like, yeah, "Yeah, whatever. These guys cool. This should be a good time. Fuck the legalities of it. I'm not going to get into that conversation, but I am going
0: to say they're usually more relaxed. For sure. You're drunk. You're a little bit high. I'm not going to say it's okay. I'm not going to say it's right, but I'm going to say you're more relaxed, and my job is easier if you're fucking relaxed,
2: man. Flying first-timers in the tunnel, I always told them to go to the bar and have a drink. (laughs) It's you better. guys
0: you guys had a bar at the Yeah, tunnel. there's a
2: bar and restaurant oh at the tunnel. God dude.
0: So one of the reasons we have you on the show is A, a good friend back in town. But B, you've been in Europe for the last five years?
1: Four years. Four years? Four years. Yeah.
0: Uh working at airspace. Yep. I remember the name of the tunnel how?
1: Because it's on his shirt. It's on his shirt. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> at, he's like, I don't
0: know, man. Uh, I keep forgetting the name of it. Uh, you've been in Belgium, but also skydiving and base jumping as well. Yep. So we'll get into that a little bit. But, Nick, I don't know if you've noticed this. Your boy Troy, when he was in town, yep. he would talk. He would hang out with everybody. And he's super American. He's a white boy. You're the same way. Oh, you can't say that. He's Canadian. He's Canadian? He's Canadian. But every now and then, he's a he's super white boy, though, super yeah. North Americanized. Yeah. Every now and then, listen, and you'll hear like a little European tendency, like he, he, he's been in Europe a little too long as you speak. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. for sure. Stayed in the queue out there?
2: Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the qua? Yeah.
0: The, the, yeah, anyways. So, what took you out to Europe? What took you there? An airplane. Um,
2: no, I started working for iFly in Dallas, and uh, I actually... That went, was
1: going to be a question that I asked, is which, which tunnel you started at, because yeah, I, I s- didn't remember. I started in Dallas. And I remember before you started I remember thinking like this this kid looks like a tunnel instructor. And I don't know why I thought that. He looks like a douchebag? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, he's friendly. He's got a great smile, you know. He's a nice guy. He just seemed like someone that would fit well in the tunnel. Clean cut all American kind of
0: looking boy. I mean, straight up, a lot of tunnel instructors have that clean-cut, all-American-looking boy. Well, that's what
2: they—that's what they required. Yeah,
0: back yeah. in that day, they didn't allow anybody with tattoos. No. Over, uh, you had to be like at least what 5'8 to be a tunnel instructor <laughs> back you then. You had <laughs> issues with that, didn't you? With yeah, tattoos? he's, he's yeah.
1: making a fucking shit joke about me being too short. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no. Uh, so, did you know Axel? Axel's yeah, Axel, so,
2: Axel, and uh, Jen, Jen Roan, Jen Sensenball at the time were uh-huh. the ones that did my interview. Yeah. and hired me up there. Yeah,
1: I interviewed with Axel and yeah. uh, Trevor Thompson. Did yep. you know Trevor? Yeah, I knew and back then they interviewed everybody and i was interviewing for austin before yep. it opened and i was friends with axel outside of the tunnel world yeah and he was pretty straight up with me of like yeah, hey yeah. man like everything was great in your interview we really like you but the reality is we just don't want someone with tattoos on their hands and neck talking yep. to eight-year-old kids at their birthday party yeah and i said if we, if we ever open a tunnel in the to hard rock in las vegas we'll give you a call and it's like <laughs> okay I, i'm glad that's that's all i don't know but uh, I think that that's changed quite a bit now, right? Yeah, Even yeah, in the think, world of iFly, they're not yeah, really sticking to those Yeah, I think they hire ones. pretty much anybody They now. just need people now, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So how long did you work for iFly? Uh,
2: a little over a year, like like 13 months, I think. And you
1: were in Dallas the whole time?
2: I was in Dallas for a year, and then once I got hired at Airspace, I was waiting for a work permit and visa stuff to go through, and I came back to Houston, and I was hanging out in Houston for a few months and the tunnel at Memorial was actually needing help. So I worked there for a month, back when John Walker was still there, and I worked with them for a month, and then as soon as my work permit went through, I, I left like two, three days later.
1: So how did you like being an instructor at iFLY? I try, was... try and talk, to, talk me into it first, and then try and talk me out of it second.
2: It was good, you just had to play the game. Like, uh, you it, it was good because you could make good money, you could fly a lot, you could do whatever you wanted to do, but so, at the same time, it was it was corporate iFly.
1: Let's break those down. So, you're saying making good money, yep. yeah? We, I we, need... We've had the discussion before on the show that they hire new instructors on at about $11 an hour. Is that yep. a number that sounds right?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that's about what it was. So, how, a how does
1: a handsome, charismatic man such as yourself make good money at iFly?
2: Uh, just keep, uh, upsells. Commissions. Yeah, right? commission. Just selling uh, return flyer packages, doing taxi flights or high flights, um, <laughs> selling extra minutes.
1: And you were just... you were there before VR was a thing, right?
0: Yeah, thank God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think VR is one of their highest commission things, if, yeah. I, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm w- not sure.
0: Why do you say thank God about the VR thing? Like it's a super cool
2: experience, but I want to teach somebody <laughs> to fly. I don't want to hold on to somebody in a tunnel while they're on the roller coaster.
0: So you're gonna become a tandem instructor.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I I really get your get what you said there. Yeah. If, you know it's it's cooler to teach someone to fly. Yeah, I think that iFly has made some efforts with they would call it gamification of the wind tunnel. Yeah, they're trying to give people different things to hang on to from that first experience that will bring them back for a second experience so they can learn more. At, yeah. about the sport. And they're
2: not the only ones that are doing it. I mean, it's popping up in Europe now. Certain tunnels are doing the VR stuff, so it's it's not just iFly that's doing it.
1: But I agree that it's cooler to learn how to fly than it is to Yeah, I'd rather to, to I'd watch. rather
2: see somebody's face and see a smile and mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. a lot of us don't understand some of the upsell things you guys just mentioned. <clears throat> I come in as a brand new flyer. Yep. I pay my time. Yep. If you sell a high flight, I have to pay extra for that?
2: Yeah, so I think back then it was $10 for a high flight. And it, then at the beginning we got paid, I think it was 2 bucks a high flight. So everybody does the high flight pretty much. So you would get two bucks a piece for that. And then when you get out of the tunnel or at the end of their session, if there's extra, if there's time left, you try and sell them extra minutes. So you get commission on minutes. And then back then they sold uh, just return flyer packages. So when you got out of the tunnel, you try and hit them for return flyer packages. They sold like two, four, six, and 10 minute packages. Mm -hmm. And you just earned commission on those.
0: Now, for those people who are, are listening, and dreaming to go in that tunnel world, I believe some of that commission has gone away now. Or some of those packages are I now think in some CSR, of
1: it's gone down. Yeah, the commissions have gone down, especially on the high flights. Yeah, I don't know what it is now, but it's definitely not two dollars. Yeah,
2: it wasn't two dollars when I left either. It was down. I think
1: it was a buck when I left. Uh, but I think. Gosh, I don't know. Maybe there could be a difference between what a CSR can sell and what a flight instructor can sell, but I'm not. I'm not sure about that.
0: And I want to say, in my memory, I just quoted myself backwards because I think it was CSRs got taken away the
1: ability to do some things. We had
0: quite a few CSR friends. Who all quit uh, Memorial around the same time. Customer because,
1: service representative yeah, yeah, for, yeah. The, for the layman. For, for someone, those of you who don't someone work who at Walmart. works at the counter at uh, iFly is who we're talking about. Um,
0: we had a huge exodus of friends, a bunch of CSR uh, folks in Memorial who all quit around the same time because pay went down dramatically because of the lack of commissions. Yeah. But my 45-year-old brain doesn't remember things the best. So, yeah. I think that was the case.
1: Yeah, and it's just like anywhere else where conflicts with management and stuff like that, I think, yeah. attributed to that as well.
0: So, I think one of the other places where a tunnel instructor makes a lot of their money potentially is coaching in general. Yes. Really teaching people to yeah. fly. How often do you did you see new flyers turn into flyers?
2: So, back then, I was super new. It was my first year in the sport. Uh, I hadn't really... I, I, di- I didn't really have any clients at that time, so you, mm-hmm. f- you uh, did a little bit of coaching here and there, people that were coming in, new AFF students that just wanted belly coaching and things like that, but at that time, coaching really wasn't a big deal. I was making so much money on commissions, I really, it was, it was pointless to put in the extra effort for that.
0: And what about uh, compared to Europe, How, how's that customer base different there?
2: So there, yeah, I mean, the majority is, especially at the tunnel that I worked at, it was a tunnel that was owned by skydivers for skydivers so they really pushed the pro-flyer market. So you could book, like I know at iFly back then, you couldn't book pro-flyer time at certain times of the day. Mm-hmm. It was strictly first-timer time. And at the tunnel that I worked at in Belgium, you could you could book time whenever, like if you're a pro-flyer. So the rate I, might be a little bit different. Isn't
1: iFly moving more towards that, though? Trying I, to I think,
2: well, now they have to, no? To they've, uh, <laughs> they've kind of popped uh, that bubble, huh? Yeah, they, uh, they've tapped the market, so they have to start working with the Pearl Flyers.
0: I mean, A, they've super capped their hours. What I think it's like noon to 8 now or something like that that the iFly Memorial is open. 9 o'clock, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the hours are super capped, and even then, like, anytime I look at what's available, it, there's a lot more open than there used to be. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the VFS team that was just in town, Horizon, the UK team, yep. they were looking on flying Friday and Saturday while they were here because the weather did look questionable. Saturday ended up being great. But we looked at Manifest for iFly, and there was still open time Friday for Saturday, which, God, I remember the day that a week ahead of time you couldn't do that. Was that at at the Woodlands?
1: No, Memorial. Really? Yeah, I mean,
0: there wasn't, like, huge blocks open, but you could get 10, 15 minutes here and there for sure throughout the day. Um, Woodlands, it it always seems like there's always been open time there. So, Um, Airspace, you said, was more catering to the pro flyers. Before I get too much in the next question. How many tunnel systems... I I asked uh, Jesse and Cody this the other day. How many tunnel brands or companies are in in Europe that you know of?
2: Manufacturers or, like, businesses? Both. There's a bunch of different manufacturers, but within Belgium... I mean, Belgium's a relatively small country. You can drive north to south in under three hours, and same thing east to west. It's uh, it's it's the size of Houston. Yeah, pretty (laughs) pretty much. Um, But, yeah, in Belgium, there's a tunnel in Chalawa, which is airspace. There's one in Liege, which is on the eastern side. That's fly-in. That's a 17-foot Czech tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on the west side in Comen, there's uh, another ISG, just like airspace. Um, And then there's plans to build another one on the south side in Arlon, which is near the Luxembourg border. And uh, there's talks of one going in Brussels as well.
0: Man, there it's. Some of the questions I'm going to get into is why is tunnel flying so much bigger in Europe than it seems to be doing here in America?
2: In Belgium, it's just, I mean, I would only imagine because of the weather. (laughs) Like you, uh, in Belgium, you can't jump year round like you can here. So I think that drives the market a lot more than it does here. Here, you can jump 364 days a year. And, uh,
0: but I, I think even if you go to the northern markets here in america that they still don't see the return that we that you're talking about in europe
2: yeah i i don't know you know it's uh the tunnels are just set up different i guess
0: and it's, when you say set up different the business model yeah
2: for sure like they uh they really push for to help the pro flyers like it's and it's half the price in most places.
0: So airspace, I wanted to ask that. Yeah. Uh, what's the price an hour right now? If I, I want to go fly at airspace.
2: So if you wanted to go and fly an hour, it's five hundred an hour.
1: Okay. Yeah. What did they say in Spain? Like three hundred, three yeah, thirty. I think we did the math and it was three thirty-five American to uh, to fly an hour.
2: Yeah, and that's in the new seventeen-foot in Madrid. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, but. In Madrid, there's, was that what you were talking to Cody about? Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. there so are there's, three tunnels there. There's three tunnels. I think uh, the Hurricane Factory in Madrid and the Windabona tunnel, which is an ISG tunnel, they're like five minutes away from each other. Like they're on the same road, I think. So they're super close together.
0: Are they, so obviously they're competitors, but are, are they competitive as, as far as, are they getting the business? Or no, are they actually, no, no, system- no, okay.
1: they're super slow. So they're destroying each other. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. So let's build more tunnels here. I mean,
2: that's like Chicago. <laughs> they put one in Rosemont, one in Naperville, and one in uh, Lincoln Park. Like, you
1: can't fill three tunnels there. How far apart are those? Do you know? I I don't. Uh, I can uh, I yeah. can Google map it it's right not now. Too I've far. I've only been to Rosemont, yeah. but it was it was a pretty far drive from the freeway, maybe or from the airport. I mean, maybe 25 right. minutes for me to get there.
2: But I remember when they first opened those two tunnels in Chicago. It was Rosemont and Naperville, and I forget which one, but one of them was super busy, and one of them was dead from the get-go. And then a year or so later, they decided to put another one up.
0: It's kind of like here in Houston. At some point, there was a rumor of a third tunnel eventually coming, and I don't think Woodlands ever had the business to support it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I've never seen the Woodlands packed. I've never seen the Woodlands busy. Um, and I haven't been there tons, but I've been there enough. I I just don't know if if it would sustain it here. Yeah. Um, the weather, it might be part of it, but do you think the culture, the community, or do you think it's mainly the business mindset?
2: I don't really know. You know, it might, it's probably mostly the business mindset, but the people there, they, uh, they fly a lot. Like there's certain customers that we had at airspace that fly a lot of tunnel time. Like they really put in the work and they, they fly a lot.
0: So no doubt price has to be part of it. Like yeah, I, for sure. I, I have a large account at, at, uh, at iFly. I have a bunch of time left on the books. And I refuse to fly it just because I compute it to money and go like, oh, my God. I sell it for coaching for this much or I spend the same amount and yeah, I'm for broke. Sure. Um, if the price was half of what it is, which is kind of what we're describing here, it would be so much easier for me to say, hey, let me go fly. Yeah. Um, I just did some coaching with some gals for AFF instructor training on Tuesday and uh, sold them the coaching time. And at the end, I'm like, hey, let's bust out a couple more minutes. It's on me because they were selling $10 minutes that day was part of it. And part of it, they were my friends, and I wanted to, instead of getting paid for coaching, just throw money at them and, and have a little bit of fun flying yeah, instead of sure. flailing on the net. It's a fun job. I'm sure you've watched us train in the tunnel, getting beat up around the tunnel. Yeah. It's it's a blast. What what is it different besides the price that keeps them coming back um
2: the quality of the staff like i know at, at airspace the level of talent within the instructors is really good i mean there's guys that have been instructing for 10 12 years there everybody has a lot of experience everybody's really good flyers and uh the level's just good so it's it's easy to bring customers in i guess
0: so on average how long has the average instructor at airspace been there
2: The at airspace or working in a tunnel in
0: in that tunnel in that
2: tunnel um more than a year oh yeah for sure more than three years yeah i would say i would say i was average four years you're average yeah
0: anyways four years now you don't know a bunch of our iFly buddies in memorial as well now uh, but can either one of you guess About what the average time in for the instructor's area is right now in Memorial? I would
2: say a year to two.
1: Yeah, there are a a couple veteran people that probably really bring that average up, but most of them are very new. Yeah. And
0: everything I continuously hear about Memorial is it's one of the better tunnels as far as instructor and staff go. I hear that from friends all the time who travel a lot. Okay. Um, Why do you think that's – what's the difference in staff? Why?
2: Um, I think iFly just has – they have so many tunnels, so they need so many instructors, <clears throat> and they don't get the people that really want to do it for a long time. I mean, how many skydivers want to go and just get better at flying in the tunnel? Like, they uh, they finish their AFF, and they decide, okay, I want to I learn how to fly head down, for example. <clears throat> okay, it's going to take me 10 hours to learn how to fly head down. Well, that's 10 grand, and I don't want to spend that kind of money on tunnel time. So if I go and work in the tunnel, I can work for a year, get my skills up and then go back to my normal job. And I, I gained all this, all these skills and now I can fly and go skydive and have fun with my friends. And I fly is, there's so many tunnels that they can do that.
0: I know a, a lot of my friends have gone to iFly just specifically with that in mind. A few have gone thinking this is my dream career and this is my dream job. And the majority of them who've acted that way have not made it at all in time. Yeah. Um, Quite a few of them have said, "I am going to go to become a better flyer, get my piece out of that, and then get out, and I'm good to go." Exactly. And they seem to enjoy the job a lot better.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, do, do you feel like uh, the skill set in the tunnels grown a lot in the last few years, right? Yeah, for sure. Of the I mean, amount of stuff there is it's, to learn, it's
2: constantly growing.
1: So let's just say that someone has this plan that they wanna, they wanna, they're gonna quit their real life job work for iFly and become the fucking guy. Yeah. Right? How long does that take them to get that sort of a skill
2: set? Man, everybody's different. Like uh, there, there's people that come in and want to learn how to how to fly head down and they learn it in a couple hours. And then you have people that come in that, just aren't natural and it takes them 10-15 hours. Oh, you, to you
1: have seen me fly. Okay, great.
2: <laughs> I've seen you fly. You fly well.
1: <laughs> Dude, it took me so long to learn any anything and the, everything's been a challenge.
2: Yeah, for sure. But it's, uh, yeah, everybody's going to learn different. So it's it's tough. And I mean, you may, you may learn quickly, but maybe you're paired up with the wrong coach. And then it, it all depends. It all depends how you work with your coach. It all depends on how, how talented you are. Um, it's harder as people get older. Like we have, you see old guys come in and it, it's, it's not easy. It's really not easy. Once you're older, you're stiff, it's hard to fly and it makes things difficult. But the kids, I mean, man, you can throw a, the, at airspace, the, one of the owners there, he has two sons, one's five and one's seven. And man, you fucking throw them in the tunnel and they're just ripping around. Like it's, they pick it up super fast.
0: I mean, one of them's got to be you say we're stiff, but it's not just the elasticity of the body. It's elasticity of the mind. Yeah, for sure. I actually recently watched a video of a dude. I forget the name of his YouTube channel, but he was challenged to learn to ride a bicycle that steering left went right and steering right went left. They just geared the the steering wheel and for eight straight. I want to say it was months. He challenged himself to ride, and like he showed video of anybody trying to ride this bike, and anybody who tried couldn't make it a foot without fucking almost face planting. It was yeah, hilarious. yeah, for sure. He put his eight-year-old son on that same bike. It took off within like I think it was two weeks. The kid was able to ride the bike, and you have to check out the video sometime. I'll yeah. show you guys. I'll share it, man. It is absolutely entertaining. But back to it, the elasticity of the human mind. It's so easy for us to be stuck where we're at. I mean, so much so that dude, after eight months of learning to ride a bike backwards, actually was in Europe and and had a friend bring him a bike, and he tried to ride a normal bike again, and he Mm. couldn't do it. It took him several, (laughs) several, several minutes. I want to say it was like 20 minutes or so before he could ride a normal bike again. But once it clicked, once the mind set in, it set in. There's no doubt in my mind, for me, he said older and stiffer, and I don't know if you noticed he stared straight at me.
1: Oh, I was. (laughs) (laughs) You were on the phone. No, I was going to say I've become less stiff as I've aged. It's a uh, penis <laughs> 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 it Took me a second
0: to catch up to that. But when I get in the tunnel, I understand exactly what Tex or Nick or whoever I'm flying with is trying to tell me. It makes ton of sense in my brain. But yeah. from my brain to my body, it just can't connect. And then I watch kids like Team Aspire get in the tunnel, and I just want to punch those little kids, man. Yeah, but, man, they're insane. They're
2: shredders, dude. They're insane. They're dude. insane. I, just, I, was in, I was in Lille in France at the World Championships a few weeks ago, and, man, they're insane to watch fly. Those kids rip
0: man where do you think these kids I, where is the future of the sport with children doing all this
2: it's hard to say you know I mean uh, you get involved with something at such a young age do you burn out do you mm-hmm. decide that you want to do something else I know uh, Noah he's speed riding now and just uh, he's killing it man he's having so much fun so I don't know it'll be interesting to see where they go
0: okay. a good example of that burnout is I don't remember team future's names uh, remember team future the kid tunnel team yeah I remember those kids I, where were they from uh colorado denver yeah, yeah that's from right denver. um and they went on for a while and then suddenly disappeared. They, they've kind of burned out of it and a one thing i wonder is the cost in america has been much higher yeah uh where in europe i wonder how many how much more you'll see kids flying um and then two back to it man what i love to do when i was 12 i don't like to do now i was exactly. mainly eat dirt but yeah whole nother story I just I'm curious to see where the future goes, man. It, it's it's not just the future of the tunnel, but the future of kids and skydiving. Yeah. Because imagine if those kids aspire, stick with it, and decide that they want to start skydiving when they turn eighteen and want to become the next world champions. Um, was it Mike who took his who, who recently took their kid to uh, go see? What's his name? Ben, Ben, Ben.
1: Oh, Dusty Hanks took his yeah, kids yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
2: in Colorado. Yeah, 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 went to
0: see Ben Lowe in Colorado. Yeah. Ultimate Skydiving Adventures USA is is a drop zone there, and he will skydive with, uh, I think eight is the youngest. Um, realistically, people will say it, it's how challenging, stupid, or illegal, or legal it is, but every pioneer was considered stupid at the beginning of something. Yeah. Um, every pioneer was, was a rebel and a rogue, and I don't know if Ben is the next pioneer, but there's no doubt he, he's pushing limits.
2: I mean, my, one of the owners at Airspace, he took his five-year-old son on a tandem, and he loved it. Do you know who Ben Lowe is married to? Yeah, Melissa Nelson
0: Low. Melissa yep. Nelson Low. yeah, yeah. Do you know how old she was when she did her first skydive? Five <sighs> years young. old. Yeah. She just did a TED Talk. Did you see that? I saw that she had done a TED Talk, but I didn't see the talk. Yeah, she was. Uh, I think she did the talk back in February, if I remember right. I saw her at PIA, and she was talking about it with me. And uh, they just released it, and it's really interesting. Um, kind of for me, as I watch the video, I know a little bit of the story of, of, of Melissa Nelson and Rook, her father. Uh, not Rook, her father. Oh, my God. that was so creepy. Uh, Rook's her brother. Uh, Roger, her father. And, and if you don't know the story, uh, Al- Sugar Gliders was her team. Alpha Glider. Alpha. Sugar Alpha. Sugar Alpha. Uh, the book. Man, I, I get these things all confused. Uh, I've heard it's phenomenal. I, I really need to read it, but her father was known as a drug dealer. He, he was not a drug dealer, but a... Um, uh, um, drug trafficker. Thank you. That is the word. And she tells a story of like, hey, I'm the daughter of a skydiving pioneer. I'm the daughter, and she tells that story. I'm the daughter of a skydiving or of a drug trafficker. And at the end, she she brings it together, and I won't tell you how she says it in the end, but it's a super interesting story. But back to it, Melissa has been known as a pioneer, not just her father herself. She and her friends set the first women's world record head down record at, like, a group of eight, and then I think they set four or five in two days. This story is told in her TED Talk. Um, They they continue to push the limits, her and her family, and Ben Lowe is part of that family. Yeah. So I'm super curious, like, A, where Team Aspire gets to be in the future. Yeah. And then, B, is... I mean, I don't know. Are kids going to start skydiving?
1: I mean, it, it sounds really cool. And to hear some like an experienced skydiver take their kid on a tandem and the reward that must be there, it sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't know how I'm going to feel the day that I hear about a 7-year-old on a tandem fatality. That's going to be a really different day and a really different conversation. So For sure.
0: what age is okay to skydive then? Because we used to allow it at 16 in the U.S.
1: I don't know. That's a big question. I mean, what age is... is it, I mean, it's crazy to me that at 18 you can vote but you can't drink, but you can still go and give your life away to your country and die, exactly. die in war. I think that it's, age is just a really fuzzy thing. But I think if we're talking about legal consent, I mean, the country as a whole has agreed that 18 is the age that you can give legal consent by yourself. And this this girl, the court case a couple of years ago, I don't remember what state they traveled to, 16-year-old girl. Texas to Oklahoma. That's right. Yeah. And they won that lawsuit because they argued that the the company should have told them no and it's like yeah okay well where does accountability come in it's i don't know, it's just a huge gray area so i i think the safest thing for the legality and the safety of the sport is stay at 18 because yeah. i mean th- that that news story was big enough inside the skydiving community but i i can imagine a eight-year-old dies skydiving, like, that's going to be national news real quick, and I don't yeah, think to look sure. for the sport at all. So let's take legalities aside. I, I've I've often argued that I
0: agree 18 should be the legal age. Um, I also agree that a drop zone owner should be able to make his own decision if he's willing to take that risk or not, within limits, because it, it damages and is a detriment to the sport. But Nick's my son. Um, I let you skydive at the age of 16. Thanks, Dad. Call me Daddy. <laughs> yeah. I would let you skydive at the age of 16. You decide at the age of 18, I want to sue... I actually didn't sign the waiver. I skydived under duress. duress. Dad made me do it, and y'all should have recognized that. So some lawsuit's going to come out of it. Lawsuit aside, Dustin, how do you think we should let people skydive?
2: So you see it a lot in the tunnel. Kids walk up to the door of the tunnel. It's time for them to fly. They don't want to go. Dad's behind them, gives them a push, get in the tunnel. We just paid 60 bucks for this year flying. Oh, yeah. So in my mind, if the kid genuinely wants to go and he's excited about it and he really wants to do this, then age really doesn't matter. I do, guess. do
1: we decide that when you're filling out a waiver or do you decide that at the door of the airplane when you're about to go? Because those are two different people in a lot of cases. For oh, yeah. sure.
2: And if you still want to go at the door, that's fine. But you spent your money already. So if you don't go, it's sorry.
1: I mean, I, I get that. I agree yeah. with that. That shit all works on paper. Yeah, for sure. But if you've worked in skydiving for long enough, you're going to have somebody at the door who's telling you no and you're going to go anyway. Because we all want to go. We all know that this person's going to be safe and they're going to have a blast. Yeah, and for sure. And almost always that person who maybe gets coerced a little bit, that's usually the person who has the most fun on the load. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The person who just needed that little bit of extra help to get over the fear to get themselves out of the airplane is usually the person who comes down raving about how amazing of a time they had.
2: But I think there's a difference between being a little bit afraid and... And just like clinging
1: to everything and not wanting to get out of the plane, like yeah, there's, a, it's there's a spectrum, different levels though. of scared. It's a no, spectrum. Yeah. Like and I've that's... seen, I've seen everything in between both of those scenarios, and I've seen people go in all of those scenarios. Yeah, and I've never, not ne- I, I, I've never had someone, let's just say, be uh, strongly encouraged to jump. Yeah, and seen them regret it. Yeah, I have seen people go under their own, you know, to- totally non-coerced at all totally ready to go. I've seen, I think three people that I can remember not like it. But, so, so, the chances of those two situations matching up is, it's a pretty low number, but yep. it's gonna happen at some point. So what happens when the person who didn't want to go hates it and then breaks their ankle on landing? Then you got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> especially so, in the U.S. where everybody's especially if everybody Especially if that's a 12-year-old. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've actually, about
0: 3,000 tandems only have had one person absolutely say no. And I very quickly sat my ass down. I could ride the plane down and get paid to not deal with you spazzing out, or I could force you out of an airplane. So I was one of those TIs who was very happy that when a student said no, to say okay. Now, I commonly say, hey, uh, one of the things we do in, in, in tandems or any skydive is ask a student, are you ready to skydive? And if you're a tandem instructor, an AFF instructor, any instructor, and you're not asking your student that, you're a fool. Because another lady did a static line skydive, sued the drop zone, said that they forced me to skydive. The instructor said, Your Honor, I asked her if she's ready to skydive, and she said yes. She agreed that that happened, and the judge said, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. He probably didn't say those words, but in the said and done, it was like, man, you, are you ready to skydive? It, it's A. So that's a great discovered. thing to have
1: on video. Yeah, yeah it, for it,
0: sure. It, it's a mental check-in because, you know, you ask somebody, are you ready to skydive? And, uh, okay, you, you, we need a minute. Or, yeah, I'm ready to go. And then B, record it. it. It's very common that instructors will turn on their cameras and say, hey, is my camera on? Yeah, cool. Then you ready to skydive? And it looks fun and can, or, or, uh, candid, but it really is smart and, and put together. Yeah, you got to cover your ass. Um, but if they say no, hey, what's up? What's going on? I'll try to talk them through it once or twice, but after that, I'm done fighting. Yeah. But I have taken one person who landed and said, I will never do that again. I regret doing it. I wish I never did it. We were completely safe. And there's no doubt those people will happen. Yeah, for sure. But I want to kind of go back to the age-specific idea because your conversation gets back and forth. At what age do you think legalities be damned
1: that would be a, be okay? If I'm just going to make up a number, I think that you need to have some life experience to really put into perspective what skydiving is and to really enjoy it. I think it's honestly wasted on a five-year-old for the most part, unless you grew up in the sport and you you know you've seen dad do it, you get it, you've seen the videos, for sure. you've watched from the ground, you've seen parachutes land. Yeah, maybe, maybe you're starting to put that in perspective. But I think for for, gosh, a normal person, God. I'd say 15. You can drive a car at 16,
0: 15 ballpark age. You can fly a plane at a similar age. I mean, it makes sense. So one argument we hear in the world of tandems is, and I am not a doctor. I'm not going to explain this well. But neck trauma and neck damage will actually affect your growth plates and, and how the human body develops. And all of that problems stop somewhere in the early teens or someplace where your neck develops far enough that you're okay maybe it was all that headbanging as a kid that (laughs) (laughs) fucked me (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's that's the one question i end up having is is what are the physical medical limitations and it's not that a skydive will really hurt anybody but have you ever had a heart opening yes Have you ever had a hard opening? It's been a while, but I've had a couple, yeah. Yeah, Justin, I'm sure you've had a hard opening at some point. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. especially at your fall rates. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's brisk, man. We all have hard openings, so there's no doubt our necks are going to get snapped here and there. So that is one of the legit arguments. It is, what is the medical uh, ideas? I'm still fine with the age of 16. Um, For the longest time, the uh, USPA allowed the age of 16 for any skydive. The manufacturers didn't allow uh, anything under the age of 18 because of their waivers. And over time, USPA's come back to uh, 18. So um, you still see waivers, and and, and really off the topic, but the waivers bring up a whole other question. Legally, in the United States, we don't allow tandems under the age of 18. USPA doesn't. USPA also is willing to issue a waiver to somebody under the age of 18. And, uh, yeah, you're a -a make-a-wish kid for sure. I can see the legitimate, like, you're going to die next month. We're going to go let you do a tandem skydive. Yeah. We do have actually somebody on the board of directors who still won't vote for that, who still is against it, who even for a -a Make-A-Wish kid said, nope, it's 18. This is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to be. This person is also very out of touch with our sport. This person also shouldn't be on our board of directors because of how out of tune they are with our sport and how destructive they are to our board of directors. Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) Uh, You should never vote for Jan Davis for the board of directors. That's how I really absolutely 100% feel. She might be a nice person. I've never experienced her being a nice person, but... man, one of the reasons I didn't want to run for the board of directors again this last term, Chuck tried to talk me into running for national. A lot of the board members tried to talk me into it. A lot of people said, you have enough notoriety that you'll probably make it. And part of it was, I didn't want to deal with two or three people on that board because they are so out of touch and they are so disruptive that the the board is unproductive because of those people. So that's how I really feel. Um, But other than that, Every now and then, the board will vote for somebody to jump underage. Uh, A great example. I own the drop zone. I own the gear. I own the airplanes. It's my kid. I want to let him skydive. I got the manufacturer to agree it's okay.
1: Will USPA say it's okay? Do you think we should sign on those waivers? I I think you should sign that waiver because that's an informed person. That's a kid who's probably ready for the experience and someone who is going to take complete responsibility if the unthinkable were to happen. So next level
0: story. Then. I agree with that, by the way. And I'm just trying to next, next question. Now, Steve Boyd owns a drop zone. We all, we all know that. We jump there. A guy like any of us who jump there, I- any of us, nobody particular, nobody of special circumstance, nobody of special relationships jumps there. Been jumping there for quite a few years. My kid's 16. I started when I was 16 because that was the thing back in the day. I want my kid to start when he's 16. Everybody's on board. Should we still allow that as well?
1: I think that that should be the call of the person who owns the gear and the airplane and who stands. The, exactly. Uh, you know, who, who when I say
0: everybody's on board, they are too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Okay. Cool. I, I'm 100 percent on board with that. Uh, that those situations have happened, they do happen, and it continues to split our board of directors. Um, which I mean, God bless them. I'm, I'm glad they're they're fighting together. Um, most of their fighting is together, not against each other. Uh, they are intelligent about it. So, Europe. What is the age to skydive?
2: I think it varies by country, but I mean, like I said, my boss at Airspace, he took his five or six-year-old son not too long ago. And I mean, I know as long as they have a harness that fits them, they don't care how old they are.
0: Yeah. I mean, but is that the national regulation? Is that the national policy? Or I, is that-
2: I don't know exactly what the national regulation is. Yeah. But I know you guys know Benja that used to work here for a while. Yeah. I see him in China his and deal? he's yeah, throwing like four and five-year-olds out of the plane in China yeah. every no, day. Oh,
0: they're like 80. They just look that size because <laughs> Asians
1: were small, bro. No, man, they wrinkle. You guys wrinkle fast.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're either soon. five or you're ninety. <laughs> <But> Asians
0: <laughs> wrinkle fast. Yeah, I mean, an eighty-year-old. Yeah, you're gonna be okay, wrinkly. Okay, no eighty. Wrinkly, yeah, son. yeah, yeah, yeah. But Asians don't wrinkle nearly as fast as your white crowed-eyed face does. Bro. I don't know. Listen, <laughs> I feel sure like not.
1: I feel like this is the thing with Asians: is you look good. All Until all of a sudden, don't. one day, you look you a don't. million. Yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. You're like either five switch. or you're 90. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> no in between. Great, great way to say it. Yeah, yeah.
0: It, it's absolutely true. My mother still looks fairly young. Um, considering. When was the
1: last time you saw her? Oh, four, or five, six months ago. Yeah, I know. what's happened since then. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd let's say. I think she turns uh, next month 69, I think. It's kind of weird to say that about my mom. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I know you dug her up just last week. <laughs> so I told—I I, he joked around about my mom. I said she was dead. He goes, "I know it was hard digging her up," <laughs> which I've been waiting to use that line ever since. You asshole. Um, so no, you don't know any age. No, I don't know
2: what the exact age limits are. I want to say France will probably be more strict, just because France is strict Jesus, on everything yeah. when it comes to skydiving. But um. I think most other places are pretty lenient. They let you do whatever you want.
0: France is crazy strict. Like first of all, wing loading limitations. Do you know the requirements for wing loading? <laughs>
2: They're outrageous. I worked with a couple of guys that were French, and uh, the hoops that they had to jump through to get there, even just to get their tunnel instructor ratings and stuff transferred over and things like that. It's uh, everything you have to pay a fee for, and you have to have this much experience, and it's uh, it's pretty outrageous.
0: I like believe. I believe France recently made a policy that says you cannot touch your front risers in the pattern.
2: Yeah, like, I can believe that.
0: Not allow- It is a regulation. You cannot touch your front risers. Now, their argument and their statement is, look, we've had no fatalities under canopy since we've made that rule. Um, man, we had one canopy-related fatality in the United States last year, um, and we had a... A lot more skydives than they did in France. Um, yep. France is a, a, a very heavy skydiving com- yeah, co- for sure. company country. So uh, I'm not saying that they aren't doing a lot themselves. Yeah, but they're they're by far strict. What about Belgium? What are the skydiving regulations like there? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Get in a, an airplane.
2: Yeah, they don't care, man. They uh, no I,
1: no cloud clearances anything like I that. I
2: mean, there is, but I've jumped in shit that I wouldn't wouldn't even dream of jumping in here. Like, it's, uh, I've organized at events in Belgium, and the winds and the cloud cover that these guys want to go up in, sometimes it's just like, you guys are idiots. I'm in charge of you guys, so I'm not taking you up. Like, I won't organize. If you guys want to go on a fun jump yourselves, go for it. But I'm not going up in this stuff. Like, the winds that they'll jump in, the, the cloud cover, it's ridiculous.
0: Like, what kind of winds?
2: Like, just super gusty winds. Okay. Like, oh, so-and-so just had a canopy collapse at 500 feet on the last jump. Fuck it, let's go. Like, you got, it's just insane.
0: So it's not about the number as much as it about no, the but that's condition. A, Belgium, is, uh, Belgium
2: is a special place to skydive because it's super cheap to jump there. You buy a block of 100 jumps and you get it for 15 euros a jump. So it's really, really cheap. So that's like 17 bucks or something. You so, saw me do a math. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cheap. But what that draws is a cheap crowd. So you have the locals that are there that are good skydivers and stuff, and they get a great deal because they live there and they jump there. But you also have the people that don't want to pay 25 euros elsewhere or go to Germany and pay over 30 euros a jump. So they come to Belgium and do cheap skydives. They have a boogie there called the Flanders boogie. And man, it's a shit show. Like it, they just downsized from 500 people to 350 people this year. You mean but, capping it at that? Yeah, okay. but, like, the last few years, man, it's just been mayhem. Like, it's just insane. They do an insane amount of jumps. There's so many people there. But you get people from all over that don't really skydive very often, but since it's 15 bucks a jump, let's do it. They mm. show up, and they jump as much as they can, and it's... Uh, it's pretty sketchy.
1: Boogie skydiving has always been the scariest skydiving. Oh, to me. for bunch sure. Bunch of man. people you don't yeah. know, a bunch of canopies you don't recognize, yeah, yeah, a bunch yeah. of people pushing the limits. Yeah. Maybe everyone was partying a little harder than they should have. For sure. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not the place for me. And the Belgians like to drink, so. Our, our boy JP recently made a post, said, What kind of asshole comes to a
0: boogie and does hop and pops? And I'm thinking, like, me? Because I don't want to jump around the rest of those assholes. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the safest place to be. What is it with, like, budget skydiving and. The Association to Unsafe Skydiving. A great example, Lodi for many years. They just raised their rate recently. Yeah. Uh, but Lodi for many years was very affordable and commonly known as not the safest place. Yeah. What is it about th- those two that go together?
1: I don't know. I guess it's just the sort of people, you know, the sort yeah. of person that can justify... Uh the people of Walmart? Yeah, yeah I was bit. just going to say, a like, walk bit. into
2: a Walmart and then walk into a Target. Yeah, you're not you're finding gonna, the classiest <laughs>
1: folks up. there that are that are chasing the that lowest uh, price tag. Oh, my God.
0: In Belgium, uh, there's not tons of regulation, but there's got to be some regulation to licensing.
2: Who's, yeah, for sure. So uh, most of the places there are clubs. So, like, where I jumped, to it was the PCV drop zones. And uh, there was... The what drop zones? PCV. It's Paracentrum something. Okay. And uh they had one in Morsil, which is on the on the west side of Belgium over by the coast, and then they have one that's kind of just north and east of Brussels is and it's in uh, Scaffen it's called. And then there's one by the uh, by the Dutch border, it's Wartburg. And uh at those drop zones, you pay I want to say it's 180 euros and that includes your your year, your yearly membership. And then you get a, uh, that covers your insurance, your third party or your liability or whatever you need. And uh, once you have that, then you get, I think it's, I want to say it's 17 euros a jump if you buy a ju- uh, like just single jump tickets. And then if you buy a hundred jumps, you get it for like 15. If you're Damn. not a member, like I got a USPA membership like my first year I was there and I think it was 23 a jump so most of the time I was organizing there so it really wasn't worth it for me to pay for the extra extra uh, insurance and things like that so I had my USPA I had my travel insurance which had my liability and third party and all that stuff included so I was covered but yeah it's uh, they're all just clubs
0: on average what's the jump ticket prices like in Belgium all about the same of what you just said
2: Um, I think the pcv drop zones are the cheapest there's uh there's one that's in namur which is uh just east of airspace about 20 minutes and i want to say they're 20 something euros a jump and then there's skydive spa which is actually a uspa drop zone and i want to say they're 25 to 28 a jump
0: isn't hayabusa out of isn't that the team yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
2: yeah. or no hayabusa i don't they're uh, out of scoffing they're the they're the belgian military team Yeah, the
0: super badass four-way flyers. Yeah, they
2: trained at airspace a lot. They're super good guys.
0: Oh, my God. I'd love to meet those guys just watching what level they fly at. They're either the biggest assholes or the coolest dudes. Oh,
2: they're super cool, man. I've stood in the door for hours for those guys. Like, a lot of really good guys.
0: It almost seems like anybody who excels either meets one of those two qualifications. They're either just the nicest guys or the most arrogant. Yeah, man, these
2: guys are far from arrogant.
0: Yeah, I've I've only heard great things about them. And actually, Nick and I will be doing an interview with them at some point for LMB. Uh, they're oh, nice. actually on our list of, of interviewees. How's their English?
2: Ah, oh, super good. Sweet. They're, they're all Flemish, so they all speak English.
0: Flemish. What's Flemish?
2: So Belgium is two parts. The southern part, the Walloons, they speak French in the southern part, and then in the north is the Flemish part, and that's uh, it's Dutch. So they speak uh, Netherlands.
0: Okay, I, I. Flemish is obviously a word I can think of for a cold, but other than yeah. that, I've never understood where they were. Yeah. Um, so th- now go throughout the rest of Europe. What's jump prices like?
2: Germany is actually expensive. Germany's over 30 most places. Um, and we we're still speaking, speaking in
1: euros? Yeah.
2: Yep. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, I jumped in Sweden. Sweden's pretty average. Sweden actually has a drop zone by Stockholm that's like, I want to say it's 18 euros a jump. Um, the Netherlands is pretty affordable. It's 20 something a jump. It's not bad. It's about the same as the US prices. Yeah. Um, Austria is the same twenty five to thirty. Um Italy's about the same. Spain, I forget what we just paid in Spain. I wanna say it's if you buy a if you buy ten jumps, it's like twenty six. Um, Portugal's the same. So
1: have you actually got to jump at all these places that yeah. you're listing? Yeah. What what's it like uh credential wise? Like when you show up to one of these drop zones, what do you have to show them before they allow you to get on their airplanes?
0: <laughs>
2: Money. <laughs> So it's actually pretty funny because Troy that was just with me here a few week, last week, he, uh, we were joking because he went to like the last three places he jumped at with, a, uh, with an FAI, like a sporting membership, which isn't really a skydiving license. Mm-hmm. It's just for competitions and things like mm-hmm. that. And he gave him that and they let him jump everywhere.
0: That, But that makes sense, said and done, because yeah. for a USPA member to get an FAI sporting license, you actually have to have some type of USPA license. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I really could make sense of that because FAI countries are supposed to recognize each other. Yeah. If you're an FAI member, if you're NAC, National Aero Club is what that yeah. stands for, yeah. is an FAI member, then we're going to recognize your license, you're going to recognize our license. A good example, any FAA country can skydive in America with no additional requirements. Outside of two things. Number one, uh, you don't even need a USPA membership to skydive in America if you have a good NAC, a good National Aero Club, uh, unless your National Aero Club's insurance does not meet USPA's insurance. Yeah, and that was the okay. big
2: thing in Europe, too, most places you go. They, uh, the license really isn't a big deal. It's whether you have insurance or not, and you have to have that third-party insurance, and if you don't, then you're not jumping.
0: It makes tons of sense, and if, if you're a brand new skydiver, a lot of our, our listeners are either brand new to skydiving or newer to skydiving, and some of them ha- have yet to get into it, join USPA right away. Uh, the magazine
1: is super cool. After a year, you'll stop reading it. When's the last time you read the magazine, Nick? I look at pictures. If I If someone <laughs> told me that I'm in one or one of my friends are in one or one of my photos are in one, I look. I, flip, yeah, I don't read it. I flip through every single one to look for photos of my friends and to see articles
0: that I might be interested in. Maybe every two to three magazines, I will dog ear an article
1: that I want to read that I never do. You know, it's funny. I did actually print out two separate USPA articles, uh, both pertaining to angle flying, in the last year. <laughs> Justin, do you still read the magazine? No, I just look at the pretty pictures. It's like Playboy now,
0: right? There's articles. <laughs> yeah. Are you? You're still a USPA member?
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. I kept my USPA membership the whole time I was in Europe. Did
0: you still get the magazine over there? Did you? No, I not didn't. To I didn't
2: pay the extra fifty bucks or whatever it was to have Ridiculous it sent over. Ridiculous yeah. man.
0: Uh, would you have still read it? No. So, A, there is actually a place to check on your USPA membership to not send me the magazine anymore.
2: Yeah, I click on it.
0: Yeah, if, if you don't want to. And for my case, Valerie and I both get a magazine. Like, I just don't want to waste the paper or the resources. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's an effing waste that yeah, I've done. Yeah, for sure. Um, at B, man, is starting to put more and more of their content online, parachutist online. I, I really wish they would come up with a, a different alternative a digital um, copy. Yeah, yeah. And and you don't even have to change the fees you charge me. People complain about our USPA membership fees, but go become a a member of other organizations for scuba diving, for model airplanes, for piloting, yeah. and then pay their rating fees and their instructor fees. It's a, we're actually not a very expensive sport when it comes to that stuff. No. Um Damn, uh so you man, I forget where we're at. Well, you don't have to have a USPA membership to skydive in America. You have to have yeah. the insurance. I know we were there.
1: Um but not not super strict on the credentials yeah. for these no. European drop offs No, it's
2: it's mainly insurance. Like they they're really uh on exactly. point with their insurance stuff. But
1: but USP the, the insurance that USPA provides is that's cool with them?
2: I don't think it's sufficient in most no? places. Okay. No, I always had to have a third party, I just had a travel insurance that covered it was extra liability and extra third party stuff. So that was always sufficient for me.
0: How in, in all these different places like Belgium, it was very easy to jump. I'm going to guess in France, they were a little bit more stringent to let you skydive? I actually,
2: I never skydived in France. I only base jumped in France. So it, uh, I just heard stories, um, from the Frenchies about how difficult it was. But I know there's, I mean, I, Cody Prentice, he, uh, he's been coming over and flying with me at airspace quite a bit in the last few months. And, uh, he's been going to France and jumping and it seems like it's no issue for him to go and jump. So I imagine it's, uh. It's doable. I think it's probably easier for a non-French person than it is for somebody from France.
0: So in all these travels you've done, what would you say the most difficult time you've had skydiving someplace has been?
2: Most difficult? Um, Probably Belgium just due to the weather.
0: (laughs) So uh, weather really is the biggest issue. Yeah, for sure. So I hear from a lot of different people, friends or acquaintances that go to these different countries and say, man, it was so hard for me to skydive there. Why do you think it was more difficult for them and not for you?
2: I don't know. Maybe just because when I moved to Belgium, I, it was a struggle to get everything set up. But once I had it set up, I knew what I needed. So then when I traveled, I already had all the correct insurance, third party, all that stuff. So it just made it easy for me. Most of the restrictions, as far as the insurance and licensing goes, it's pretty equal throughout the country. So um, I think coming from the States, it probably makes it difficult. But once you have it all set up, then you're then you're good everywhere.
1: So just since we're talking about the ease of jumping, how, how easy is it to, to base jump in all these countries? Oh, so easy. So is it something that's just not uh, pursued by the law, or is it something that's not illegal? I mean,
2: I've done very few night jumps. We'll jump everything during the day.
1: Just nobody gives a shit.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I just jumped a building in uh, downtown Brussels uh, right around New Year's with a buddy of mine. And we literally landed... In a big, uh, like, like city center area, big square, and land, I turn around, and 30 meters from us, there's two cops standing there. They watch us pick up our our parachutes, and just uh, I'm like, "Fuck, man, we need to get out of here." And they just stood there and looked at us, and we walked off, and nothing happened. Wow, like it's uh, it's no big deal. But some places, we uh, I got arrested with the same guy in France for jumping a. Uh, uh, unesco uh world heritage monument
1: so but you think this was just sensitive because they thought you were disrespecting the monument exactly okay
2: yeah that was the only reason and we uh the security there went crazy they were super upset about it and then uh the police showed up and the police actually you could see that they they thought it was like man they're like this is this is cool like we actually have some action it's in a little small town (laughs) they all there was like 10 cops there and then uh they took us to the police station. We sat there for a few hours, and uh, they gave us each a thirty-eight-year-old fine. And when I actually finished my paperwork with the cops before my buddy did, and I was sitting in the waiting room, and the cop came out and sat down next to me, and he pulls out his phone. And he's like, "Do you have Instagram?"
3: <laughs> and he like
2: pulls off his phone, and then he uh, he goes, "So the the ticket when you get it, he goes, don't pay it." He goes, it's not a big deal. He goes, you're American, he's New Zealand, he, uh, don't, don't worry about it, don't pay the fine.
1: So yeah. it, it was. Dude, that's, the, a, that's some police officer work I could get behind. Yeah, that's what the, we the, need. Yeah. the police really didn't like, want to get us in trouble. The, and that's cool. Like the, yeah. Because you guys aren't trying to break the law, right? Yeah. I mean, you're just trying to have a good time. Doing we your sport. didn't really
2: do anything. it's, they, like, it's uh, like, you're not robbing anybody. You're yeah. not hurting anybody. They asked us, they're like, did you see the signs that said you couldn't jump? And I was like, no, there was no signs that said we couldn't jump. And they're like, yeah, but you went around a fence. And I was like, yeah, but the fence didn't say no jumping. Like. <laughs> we we just we didn't break anything we didn't damage anything we jumped off of a bridge and landed and that was it so
0: and did you ever pay the fine
2: i never received it <laughs> they told us that we we left the police station with uh, with a p- piece of paper that had our uh, rights translated in english on it and they said that we would receive a fine and that was that was january 24th i think and I never received anything before I left. So
1: was it still scary though, being hemmed up by the cops? The uh, it was countries? funny because
2: I was actually talking to my boss, and he uh, he's got over a thousand base jumps. And I was like, Eddie, like, man, we we got fucking busted. Like, we're we're going to jail. They're hauling us in. He's like, Yeah, but what you did wasn't illegal. Don't worry about it. And I was just like, Man, they seem that they but they're pretty cool serious of a, right of, now. Of,
1: a, of like a justice system is that?
2: Yeah, like, no, it's perfect. Like. I mean, we, we really didn't do anything wrong, though. We didn't break anything. We didn't damage no, anything. No, but that someone's thinking about that. Someone's
1: yeah. actually actively. Did these guys do anything wrong? Do yeah. we need to put them in jail? Do we need to give them a fine? Yeah. Like in America, they're just going to be like, "Oh yeah, you did some shit. Yeah, you're going to jail. Yeah, yeah and for you're paying sure. a bunch of fines and you're
2: losing all your gear." Yeah. You're like, go, yeah bye, that bye, bye, was all that yourself. was my biggest fear when they when they uh, took us in. They pulled us out in the parking lot and they made us pull all of our gear out and. It, all they really wanted was to see the GoPro footage. So as soon as they found our GoPros, <laughs> they're like, OK, let's see. And they, we actually, uh, we, we had already taken the, the cards out of our GoPros and hit them so that they couldn't find them, so that they couldn't see the footage. And, uh, and we're like, oh, man, sorry, like it didn't record. And then my other buddy was like, oh, yeah, I didn't have my SD card in there. So we, uh, they never even saw the footage. But I was worried about them taking our gear. And after being there for a couple hours, I I asked the cop, I was like, listen, man, like, are you guys keeping our gear? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, do we get our rigs back? And he's like, of course you get your rigs back. I was just like, ah, cool.
1: No big deal. I'll pay your 38 euros. Yeah, yeah.
2: I actually, he told me because they, uh, he didn't speak very good English. So they asked me, they were waiting for a translator to come and do the translation for us. And uh, they asked, like, can we do it on Google Translate? And I was like, well, are we in trouble? Are we getting arrested? And they're like, no, you're not arrest- You're not getting arrested. And I was like, yeah, then let's do it on Google Translate. So they're asking us all these questions, like how many jumps do you have? Where have you guys been jumping? All this stuff. And he starts typing, and he goes, are you willing to pay a 38 euro fine? And I looked at the screen, and I go, is that right? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, 38 euros? And he goes, yes, 38 euros.
1: That's was, like a dinner date for two, right? I
2: straight up asked him, I go, can I give you a 76? And we go back and jump it again. <laughs> and he, just, he just started laughing and he was like, no, man, we can't do that. But they uh, they were all super curious and they were super nice, super friendly to us. And Remind
1: uh, me where this was.
2: It was uh, the Pont du Gard. It was in uh, the south of France south by, of France. by uh, Marseille. Yeah, it's... Uh, I'll show you here. Man,
1: that's cool. If I were to imagine a French police officer, I'd imagine them all being dicks.
2: No, man. The, the French are they're pretty cool. Pretty cool people. All yeah. right. Changing stereotypes. I yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah, I like the French. So yeah, you can see.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's the bridge you jumped off of? Yeah. Man, uh, I wonder if we can... I'll hold this up in front of the camera here for anyone that's watching. So it
0: uh, you started base jumping when you moved to Europe? Yeah. And show me that when you're done, Mr. P. Uh, have you base jumped here in America at all?
2: No, I've never done a jump here.
0: How many jumps do you have total?
2: About 200.
0: France, obviously, hold on one second. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen this photo, man. This was actually in my list of pictures to use. Yeah. I had I had a lot of pictures I was trying to pick to use for this uh, ad. And I'll have to show you the the, the, the group of pictures I actually chose from. Um, so where did you do your first base jump then?
2: I did my first base jump in Belgium off of... Uh, 85 meter antenna it's called uh, in a little town called uverwa and uh i just did a static line off there with my boss
0: actually almost use that as one of the photos <laughs> that's a really good crew to look at yeah yeah, Whoa, yeah. so uh anybody who's i'm just showing him a picture of my phone and it's got a, a good buddy of ours antonio antonio Arias. Is uh keller
2: in there too i think yeah, yeah yeah keller's
0: in there vulcan's in the background looking yeah. mighty slim and full-time <laughs> skydiver Andy Doyne without nearly as much gray hair in his face. So, um, actually, Andy's had a lot of gray since we've known him. I think he went gray a little bit earlier. You know Andy, don't you? Yeah, I know Andy. You guys started, I think, around the same time.
2: Yeah, I think he started just a tad after me, I want to say.
0: Dude, he went at it hard He went
2: crazy for a while, yeah.
0: And really, uh, up till Hurricane Harvey. Was it Harvey that flooded us all out? I get confused which one was which. Hurricane Harvey, and, and there was tons of flooding. Unfortunately, he had a lot of flooding in his property. And a lot of time to recover. And, and since then, man, he's been really just that occasional skydiver. Which yeah. I mean, kind of bummed out. Super nice dude. Super yeah. good to have around. Um, early on, super uh, aggressive with his skill set and, and kind of put himself in some trouble places. But very quickly grew into it. Yeah, he, he got he got he got better. So he got safer as he got better. He he survived. What were you like as a young jumper?
2: I was cautious. Yeah. I was uh, I was really nervous about it. Um, I was lucky, though. If, Like you saw in that picture, I had guys like Antonio that were uh, kind of took me under their wing and really helped me out and showed me the ropes. I know he had been jumping for just a little bit before I started, and uh, he, uh, he progressed really quick. He was a fast learner.
0: Oh, my God, he was.
2: And uh, I was lucky because he and Ben Nelson and Tinley and Cody Edgeworth and all those guys had all been jumping for a few years before I started, and I was super lucky to come in and just kind of have them Take me in and help me out and show me the ropes. So,
0: and when you say you were cautious, were you cautious by nature, or was it the influence of those friends?
2: Uh, A little bit of both, I think. I think I was a little bit uh, nervous because those guys had a much higher level than I did. So I was nervous about jumping with them, and it just made me definitely made me more cautious. And
0: you didn't want Ben yelling at you? No, no, no. And now, would you say you're the same kind of cautious, just with a better skill set?
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I still take it pretty easy, and especially, I. That's one of the things I'm really looking forward to now, being back in a place where the weather's warm and I can jump more. In Belgium and in Europe, you, you your jumping season is limited. So, I, I starting out, I had been a year-round jumper, and mm-hmm. when I moved to Europe, I all of a sudden became a seasonal jumper. And having six months to eight months off every year really uh, really made me nervous, and uh, I, I took it easy.
0: I thought you were gonna say six to eight months to jump, but it was the other way. Yeah, so you for would sure. only jump four to six months a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the summer is yeah. your your, your yeah. skydiving. Yeah. yeah. How many jumps would you make a year that way? I made usually
2: two hundred to three hundred jumps a year.
0: That's still a pretty stiff number. Yeah. I mean, but I think
2: most of those were organizing jumps, so it wasn't like not a lot of just fun jumps for myself.
0: Yeah. But still, a good amount of skydives. Yeah. And today, you're cautious. What's your wind limits? What, what's the max number you would jump in?
2: <sighs> so I jumped in the Netherlands quite a bit, mm-hmm. and there's an island in the north of the Netherlands called Tessel, mm-hmm. and it is... Spell that. T-E-X-E-L. Okay, that's yep. what I
0: thought. So it's pronounced Tessel?
2: Tessel, yeah. Okay. And it's super windy up there, so I jumped some of the highest winds I've ever jumped up there, probably 30 plus miles an hour. But they're always consistent. So for me, it's just uh, how bad it's gusting and where I'm at. Like up there, it's always super consistent. If you didn't jump in 25-plus mile an hour winds up there, you're not jumping.
0: So really, uh, and as new jumpers, I commonly hear people say, yo, man, my limit is number, 20, yeah. 25, whatever their yeah. number is. Uh, but they never take into account to gust, man. Yeah. That is such a huge statement, such a huge idea. Yeah. Is there a gust range that you recognize as a limit, or are you just looking at the the turbulence of the gust?
2: Man, if it's gusting, like ten to twenty five, like I'm for sure not going. Like if it's over ten mile an hour's difference in gusts, like I won't I won't jump usually.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really a super solid number uh, for our, our tandem program in Houston, our student program in Houston. If there's a 10-mile-an-hour gust range gap, and when we say range, we're looking from average to top. We're not necessarily looking from bottom to top. If the average winds are 10 going to 21, that's over 10, we're going to stand down. We're going to shut it down. We're not looking just at that. I think uh, you've also inferred we're looking at the nature of the turbulence. Yeah. So how do you determine what the nature of that turbulence is?
2: (sighs) I mean— a lot of the things around here is just temperature, right? Like yeah, yeah. Uh, you get thermals and depends on where I'm jumping at. If there's uh
0: But like, let's say you show up to the DZ. How do you decide this is too turbulent or not too turbulent?
2: I mean, you guys have a... There's a, a screen there. You can look at the weather. There's yeah. plenty of things you can look at. Yeah. And just watch, sit out in the landing area and watch the wind. Watch the canopy. See what they're doing.
1: Yeah, watch the guy who was dumb enough to get on the first <laughs> exactly. load. Exactly. Who didn't, didn't look
0: at the wind at yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. Do you know what a WDI is? It's an old school term. Wind drift indicator. Wind drift indicator. Basically, you go out of the airplane, you go in the airplane somewhere around canopy altitude. uh, You throw a piece of crate paper said and done, and it's a wind drift indicator. How far does that drift determine the spot on the ride to altitude? Yeah. Uh, Now, today, I still consider, uh, we, we don't see the traditional WDIs, but I still say we have WDIs. Do you know what I call, do you know what those are? wind dummies wind drift idiots uh wind drift idiots are the guys who go on the first load with crazy winds and figure it out for us and i like what you just said watch a load land and and the two things that amaze me is number one people watch a load land and they don't they they pay attention to the body not the parachute i don't care what the human body's doing under the parachute i'm watching that fabric overhead is it breathing like an accordion is part of the incel folding under yeah you know oh he looked fine yeah he did his parachute looked like shit though did you notice that bro yeah. Um, the other thing I look at is, is the windsock. Have you ever touched the windsock? Have you ever grabbed a hold of that material? Yeah. It's pretty heavy, right? It's yeah. a really, really thick material. If the wind can do that to the windsock, what can it do to your little skinny, scrawny piece of ZP fabric over your head? Yeah. I mean, watch what that windsock's doing. If it's whipping and cracking, you, you know, you always hear people say if the windsock's uh, got a boner, somebody's getting fucked. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you, you've heard that. I also like to say if the windsock is whipping, somebody's getting spanked. Yeah. Watch what the windsock's doing and watch watch the nature of it, man. It, it's such a big deal. And then watch what the TIs are doing. Watch what the tandem instructors are doing. Watch what the video guys are doing. Um, of course, we know one video person will sit down, and the TIs will still go. Your yeah. Your tandem. Yeah. But what, you know, if the professionals are sitting down, why are you still jumping, bro? Yeah. Are you that much better than professionals? Good for you. Yeah. So, um. You're about to actually get that tandem rating. Yeah. Do you think you're going to change your thought process on wind limits for that?
2: Uh, at the beginning, for sure. I, uh, I have, I've never flown a canopy of that size, so it'll be uh, definitely a learning process to see what happens when I get on something that big with with having the responsibility of somebody else strapped to me.
1: I think so that last that's big. So
2: that's, uh, that's a big factor, I think. So I think that'll probably for sure change. When I'm doing tandems, but I don't think it'll change anything for when I'm fun jumping.
0: How much do you? uh, uh, Excuse me. Yeah. How much do you weigh?
2: Like, hundred and sixty pounds,
0: I think. You've been
1: thinking in kilograms.
2: I was going to say 73 kilos, figure it out.
0: So you and a 190-pound students got a 1.1 wing loading on a, yeah. On the tandems we use, 365-square-foot yeah. mains. Yeah. And I want to say that because don't just think about the size, but think about the wing loading. Yeah. Um, as, t- as tandems, yeah, we're for sure jumping bigger canopies, but commonly we're jumping reasonable wing loadings. Yeah. Um, you and a 290-pound student, is going to have a, sorry, I'm doing math here, a 1.37 wing loading. Yeah. So wing loadings are definitely going to be uh, all over the place, but much higher. What's the biggest, tan- no, not tandem, base canopy you've jumped?
2: I jump a uh, 225, which is actually a 240.
0: Well, which one is it? 240. So how's it a 225? <laughs> but a two- I'm confused, <laughs> it's just, man. It's just measured different. Okay. Um, do you know what you mean by when you say it's measured different?
2: The top skin is measured and compared to the bottom skin.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm curious, and I don't know if it's the case for yeah. that manufacturer. Some manufacturers measure canopies laying flat on the ground. Yeah. And if you lay out something flat on the ground, it's going to get much wider. Yeah. And then some manufacturers will inflate the canopy yeah. and then measure it that way. Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's the difference that they're talking about. Could be. And, and God, I wish I could quote which canopy manufacturers measure inflated versus flat, but yeah. I, I would be lying if I told you yeah. I knew which ones were which. So, that's, I think, what you mean by... Yeah. 240? Yeah. Uh, what's your wing loading on 240? 210, 240... It's
2: like a 0.7. 0.9. No. Yeah. No, I'm 160.
0: 0.66. You said it's a 240? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm using a skydiving gear, uh, gear weight, yeah. not base gear weight. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it's like a 0.7. These nerds and their goddamn calculators. You're boring me to
0: death. <laughs> 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 uh, so, 0.7, you'll never... For the most part, jump and wing loading that light yeah. on a tandem. Yeah. Except for, uh, do you know what your second jump in the tandem course is? I'm solo. Yee! You and a 365-square-foot <laughs> canopy I'm all never by coming down. yourself. Chris Bidala and I have a game that as soon as you open, we will bet from that moment how long it'll take you to land. And as we'll place, I'll hit the stopwatch, start, and we'll immediately place a bet to see who comes closest. I think
2: I heard a story about, I want to say it was Reyes that got stuck forever. He couldn't get down.
0: Oh, man, it takes it takes anybody forever because yeah. commonly you guys are point seven or, or even lighter. That yeah.
1: seems like uh, a, a pull altitude that you might kind of get a little bit ahead of yourself, too. You might get a little nervous setting the drogue by yourself, pulling the drogue release. Yeah. I bet some people do it a little high, you think?
0: Um Nah, man. I, I really haven't seen tons of people pull really high. I
1: feel like I would. I feel like I'd jump the gun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you you know the name Dennis Anderson. I don't think yeah, you guys I, I know him. Dennis. Dennis, uh, a good buddy of mine, him and I were doing a tandem course together for, uh, what is the name of that stupid place? The Military Academy. Uh, West Point. We were doing a West Point course, and we had some like six or seven tandem instructors. And I told them all, you're doing a solo, pull at your normal altitude. You might even want to pull a little bit higher. We told them six is what you're pulling. Pull up to seven, no higher than that, because you don't want to be stuck up there forever. But by yourself, it might snivel. You've shot plenty of video. Sometimes on a super light wing loading, we see a much longer snivel. This, like, oh, no, you're by yourself. You don't want to be up there forever, so you need to pull lower. Half of them listen to him. Half of them listen to me. Guess which half landed on, by the way? (laughs) The half that listened to me. Um, so don't pull low on yeah, the canopy. Yeah, no, for sure. That is the, it, when you say people get nervous and they pull high on those. They're worried about not being able to make it back because uh, they're light like wing loading. I actually see more people pull lower than they should than higher than they should because they're afraid of being under canopy for five days. Yeah. Because, I mean, eight, nine, ten minutes is not unheard of. It's not normal to be that long. Uh, my guess is is you're gonna deploy around six gram, be under a functional canopy somewhere around five gram, maybe a little bit lower for a longer snivel, maybe forty five hundred. Yeah. And you'll have a seven to eight minute parachute ride, just ballparking Yes. Yeah. So, um, people are like, man, being on a parachute that long. I mean, do a high clearing pull for what we fly, and we're under parachute shorter than that. Um, the upside to the tandem, man, the leg shafts on that tandem main are like a fucking. Yeah, oh my god, they're so much more comfortable than. Any rig. One one of my favorite things about the Infinity is the size of the leg strap. It's really wide. You know, you sit on a 2 by 4 sideways, it hurts. A 2 by 4 flat, it feels better. A 2 by 6 feels, feels even better. And uh, the wider the leg strap, the greater the displacement. Yeah. The tandem rig has the widest leg straps I've seen of anything so far in, in sports skydiving. Yeah. Or, I guess, skydiving in general, because tandems, you can argue if they're sports skydiving or not. Um, so you've been in Europe, you've been doing a lot of base jumps And still want to go more into some of that conversation But we've crossed the bridge for a second You're now back in America, hi mom <laughs> Why, uh, as a matter of fact, a month ago You and I spoke, I'm going to come to town I'm going to visit for a short time yeah. I won't be around for long We're going to knock out these courses And I'm going back to Belgium Yeah. You showed up, yo bro, by the way I'm staying Yeah. Why the change?
2: Man, you know, I, uh, I hadn't really been back in the last four years and the only time that I had been back was to go up north and see family in North Dakota and places like that. So every time I went back there, I was really ready to go back to Europe.
0: Is that where you're originally from?
2: I'm originally from northern Wisconsin.
1: Wisconsin, that's that I knew That explains
2: I was the accent. Yeah.
0: That rogue accent that I thought might have had some European, Now that explains that's it Wisconsin, all. That's Wisconsin, yeah. Okay. What's
2: so, uh, no, it was the first time I'd really come back and seen my friends here in Houston. And my sister now lives uh, in Baton Rouge. So I went and saw her, and I uh, met her fiance for the first time, and uh, you know it was just uh, it was my first visit back to the states where I was just like you know I really don't want to go back to Europe right now, and it felt really good to be here, and it was good to see everybody, and uh, when I got back I was just like all right I'm gonna I'm gonna see what I can do to get back.
0: It and, just felt right. Yeah, so I did it. So before your decision to stay here in America, you decided you were gonna get your tandem rating. Yeah, guessing you were gonna go back to Belgium and use yeah. it for some. Yeah, why? Why suddenly get ratings?
2: Just a new challenge.
0: Or were you gonna do it part time out there, full time? Like, what was your goal using it out there?
2: You know, I don't really know. I was gonna get it and then just see how I could use it. But I just wanted—I wanted to do something different. I wanted to—I uh, wanted to have an option to, just. Uh, a different challenge like i said
1: i think a lot of people a lot of skydivers have that dream of you know they start as a tandem instructor as a videographer and they have the dream to be a traveling organizer yeah and you, you're kind of doing it in, in reverse yeah the, for sure man uh,
2: Organizing's fun but it's overrated the best jumps in the world are the jumps you do with your friends like uh <laughs> love it, a good two-way yeah for sure <laughs> like it, it, it's fun to organize a high-level group or something like that but the majority of the time it's it's work you know it's it's, uh, it's stressful, you have a lot of responsibility, and still the best skydives are, like you said, they're two ways with one of your good buddies. And I know this last weekend, uh, luckily there was, there was ten of us, and we Ooh. got to do some really cool and really nice jumps.
1: T- tell us about the, give us the overview of that story. So last weekend was Cody's birthday. Yeah,
2: Cody Edgeworth's 30th birthday, and uh, he uh, put together an event with uh, Luis Organizing, and he had Gustavo come in and shoot video. And uh, he just invited. There was a. It was an eleven way plus. Gustavo was twelve way. So we uh, he invited a bunch of people from all over the place, and we all a couple of us came in from Europe, and Gustavo came from Imperia, and Troy and I came from Belgium, and a few guys from California, a um, couple of the local guys here. Luis came from Florida, and we uh, we just did some really nice skydives.
1: You guys had a couple of days of weather. Yeah, first and couple then, days were brutal. Uh, was it the, f- the first day you guys got to jump, you had stuck around till pretty late, right?
2: Yeah, um, we didn't get to jump Wednesday, and then Thursday was looking like it was going to be shit, and we sat there all day, and uh, we ended up getting three jumps in on Thursday, and then Friday we showed up early because we thought that it might be better, and we sat there all day Friday. We actually went and got in the car three times on Friday. And we're getting ready to pull out of the parking lot. And all of a sudden, we were like, oh, there's a hole coming. Like, let's go back inside. And we did that three times. And then we ended up getting four in on uh, on Friday. Four
1: jumps starting pretty late, though, right? It was yeah, like yeah, super late, like yeah, it was
2: super late. Five, 530 yeah. or something like that. And then uh, Saturday, it was perfect. And we did 10 jumps on
1: Saturday. See, man, the weather here, I just cannot figure it, figure it out. Yeah. Because Friday, even Friday night, I looked at the forecast. Yeah. And it was like Saturday, Saturday cloudy, shit. no skydiving. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, man. And then I think it was 7:45 a.m. Yeah. on Saturday. The sky started to clear. Yeah, and it was just go, go, go all day. It was awesome. And we actually had planned
0: Saturday to do a couple of different podcasts. We were going to hook up with uh, the v- the U.S. Uh, the U.K. team. We were also going to do a little set with Jason Russell. And actually, one o'clock Saturday morning, Friday Eve, Friday night, those storms started rolling in. Woke me up. We had tornado reports here in this area, or excuse me, warnings here in this area. And, uh, of course, that kept me awake, just worried about the house, the dogs, or whatever. But also, I was like, man, this storm is like five hours early. Tomorrow, we might get to jump. Yeah. So, those of you who did know, we were thinking about doing a couple extra podcasts this weekend. we much rather skydive than do podcast. We love doing the show. That's why we do them at night, though. So, sorry. Those fell through. Uh, fortunately, Friday for us was bad weather because that's how we got hooked up with uh, Cody, Cody and Jesse. And Jesse yeah. Got his name this time. Yeah. Jesse Jaber. love you brother uh, Jesse's coming back in town in a couple weeks is he yeah dude I, I got a message from him or something I think it was Jesse or was it Cody who said I'm gonna be back in town like in the next couple oh, weeks nice. to do something I don't, I don't remember which one it was man uh, Jesse or Cody looked like freaking Stevie Wonder. Wore sunglasses in the <laughs> podcast all the time, and just every time
1: we talk, he you know I've worn sunglasses on the podcast before. Yeah, but you didn't rock your head like this every time you started talking, man. Well, yeah, he got he got grooving. Maybe up. he spent some time in India. They do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: he <laughs> uh snake Charming. So Cody threw the <laughs> ultimate birthday bash. Like, like, yeah, he threw himself his own party, said yeah. and done. Which. Yeah, yeah. I mean, quite frankly, initially, I'm going to say if you're throwing yourself your own birthday party, you might be a douchebag. Might be. Not going to be. Yeah. But if that's your version of throwing a birthday party, it's the fucking coolest way you can do it. Yeah, he did it right. For sure. And I got to give Cody a lot of love real quick. Cody, Mike Wittenberg was on the show really impromptu. Yeah. That was partially to Cody's influence. And every time Cody, he, he brings a lot of high-level flyers into yeah. town, him him, and uh, Tim Tinley. Yeah. And every time he, he's actually uh, reached out to me, he's like, anytime I have anybody in town, I'd like to let you know and offer them to be on the show if you don't mind. So, uh, man, love you, Cody. Mr. Edwards. thank you so much for supporting the show and bringing your friends. And really, you're part of, of that. Yeah. Uh, when he told me you were going to be here, I was like, ooh, mall rat. We're going to get him on the show. Yeah. Um, what uh, All angle flying is what you guys did all weekend long.
2: Yeah, we did a few.
1: I thought I saw a couple of belly we, points in there, didn't I? Uh,
2: no belly points. Oh, we we went to the belly once or twice, I think. And there was a couple of. Uh, we held hands for a split second, but that was it.
0: So that's a belly point. You just, <laughs> denial, man. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you got All you got to do home. is say no homo when you can say the whole <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right,
1: hashtag uh, hold hands fall fast how'd that go <laughs> you know that yeah, op- that's a sticker somewhere yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah
0: it's so as long as you hashtag it it's okay it doesn't make it gay anymore um dude all those people came in what was the best part of this that that weekend
2: Ah, uh, man it's uh you you can get a group of flyers like that together but usually it's at an event where everybody's organizing or something like that so to actually have a group like that where we actually had several days set aside uh be organized by somebody like Luis and have somebody like Gustavo shooting video it was just uh it was unreal it was super cool
0: how many organizers were on now like there was only one organizer for the jump but you organize yeah Cody organizes yeah Jesse's done some organizing if I remember right
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
0: so who else has Tex, or, Tex, Tex, yeah yeah uh
2: Troy um I'm pretty sure uh and obviously, Luis and Gustavo, and
1: uh, so all the chiefs it seems like basically in. half yeah. half of the crew is
2: yeah more than half is organizers tra- yeah like traveling yeah. organizers yeah.
0: I know there's uh, I love going to a drop zone where nobody knows who I am. I love going to a DZ where I have no responsibility because suddenly I get to play.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Man, how relieving was that part of it?
2: Oh, it's nice. I mean, it's it's good to know. And Troy and I had just come from uh, an airspace event in Seville in Spain. Uh, the week before, so we literally flew straight in from that. We had been jumping and organizing there all week, and to just know, like, okay, at the end of the week, we get now we get to go have fun. Now we get to go skydive with the guys and really enjoy it. It's a uh, it's a good feeling.
0: When you were traveling throughout Europe to to different tunnels and different drop zones, uh, were you recognized enough that people usually knew who you were?
2: Uh, it depends where you go. I mean, there's. Well, a, I mean, you though. Yeah, it depends where you yeah. go. Like uh, around Belgium, around the Netherlands, around different places yeah that you meet it's the it's a skydiving community man everybody knows everybody
0: did you go places just to play and not work and not do anything yeah for sure trapped commonly because when they see you they immediately want your attention no because
2: i'm really good at saying no (laughs) you're really good yeah if i don't want to do something i'm not doing it
0: i think uh nick i think you've had that struggle at times
1: you'll go to a drop zone or a place and immediately somebody wants your time or wants your energy yeah i mean i get trapped a lot more in conversations about someone's brilliant video idea that they want to make than I do of like, hey, come jump with me. But uh, it's not too bad. I mean, I can I get away with doing a fun jump anywhere I go. Yeah.
0: I uh, I have,
1: so at Spaceland, I have a
0: little bit of a hard time when I get on the DZ. If, uh, if I do go out just a fun jump, I immediately get stuck working. Yeah. Because I immediately get asked questions. People want to know different things. People want to book courses with me, which, man, it's hard for me to say no because this is your hobby. This is your passion. This is what you love. And you don't get to ask questions all the time. You yep. don't get to see me all the time. Yep. So for me, it's it's a constant struggle. And I wish I could find that balance of, of saying no. But I have a really hard time because if I say no, I come off immediately as an asshole. Not they interpret me as one. I will come off as an asshole. I, I will yep. take the full blame. Like I, I don't know how to say no without being rude. Um, although, I don't know if you've ever heard me use this line. And I really, truly, if I use this line, I truly, absolutely mean it. But it also is a fucking line. That's a great question, man. Um, I don't have the time to give you that you deserve right now. Do you mind if I hit you back up a little bit later so I can give you the time you deserve? Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know if you, uh, I think, st- I forget, maybe Steven was the first person I heard use that bullshit line. And, and I say bullshit <laughs> line, anytime I say it, I absolutely mean it. Yeah. Because if the answer short, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, how do you find that balance, either one of you?
2: We, I would just go and say, oh, so-and-so and I, we're just doing two ways today. Like, we we, we need to work on something. We're working on a project or something. And then just kind of cheat your way out of it.
0: I just got to find a way to say no nicer is really it. Because yeah. I, I, I'm not going to put it on anybody else but me. When I say no, and Nick, I think you could agree with this. I'm pretty good at saying no like an asshole.
1: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it just depends on how well somebody knows you. I, I, I sometimes say know or or kind of shoot someone down quickly and and then afterwards i think about the situation i think oh god i was kind of a fucking asshole just now but But then if you talk to that person later they're like oh no i didn't think that you were being rude i could just tell that you didn't have time yeah so I I, i think it just depends on how how well the person knows you like if if i heard you say a certain thing a certain way i'm like this actually happened not very long ago someone grabbed you and i i saw you put someone in their place pretty well and it was more of a personal <laughs> you space issue than, than a time <laughs> issue and i could tell like i didn't think that this dude would have taken offense to how you spoke to him but i was like i i, I laughed because the conversation needed to happen first and second i know your personal issues with your personal space and people touching you <laughs> And so, I, yeah, I, I enjoyed it on several levels. But I don't think that that person thought you were being an asshole. Oh, yeah. I, but I sensed your frustration just because I know you well enough.
0: No, that, that dude was very receptive, very nice. Um, uh, I, and the, the way you just describe it actually helps me because what I will say is I've seen you be curt at times. Where knowing you, I could see your frustrations, but I could see it still coming across professionally. And I think I need to interpret and realize when I'm being curt, and curt isn't always rude. So uh, uh, being short and I will. I want to stop on that dude for one second. I'm not going to throw him under the bus. He is a super fucking nice guy. But I will remind you guys that the drop zone sometimes we're working. So if a working skydiver says, I need a moment, can we have some space or can we have some time right now? Chances are it's a super sensitive matter that needs immediate attention. And when we say we need space or we need time, that might mean we need privacy and we don't want to say go away. That's a nice way of saying, hey, man, we, we just need you to go away. So, and that's the thing I try to explain. I'm like, Hey man, if I say I need space or time, we had a, and that's exactly what it was, a sensitive issue that had to be addressed. So, uh, if you hear those kind of things, man, we're not trying to push you away. As a matter of fact, nine times out of 10, I've pushed people away. I will be very quick to come find you. Um, I don't know if you were around, uh, I don't know if you knew the other day I had a bad crash. I, uh, I've mentioned on the show I've been diagnosed as pre diabetic recently. I'm learning to deal with a few things. Um, There's a few symptoms that I've learned to recognize, including a bad, bad blood sugar crash. And when that happens, it it wrecks my world. And one Saturday morning, I showed up at the DZ completely fucking. Like halfway to the DZ, I thought I was gonna suddenly pass out. Got there immediately, had to get food in my body. Anybody who talked to me didn't get the time of day for me. Didn't, I mean, like, I wasn't rude, I just wasn't there. And when I was done, when I recovered two hours later, I walked up. I'll, I'll call people out right now. Chad Hall, super nice dude. He got blown off by me harder than shit. It's next time I saw Chad and I was back to energy, he like, hey, bro, thanks for checking in with me this morning. Sorry I was having a little bit of problems physically. I wasn't feeling very good. And I apologize. And he be like, oh, no, dude, I could tell you were feeling like shit. I could tell you were feeling bad, man. I just felt bad for you. I was trying to help you out. I'm like, no, nah, dude, we're good. So if we're pushing you away, we're not going to. Push you away for long. We're gonna come back and say hello. So yeah.
1: I just think my best advice, if you're trying to get attention from someone who is a, you know, a well-known person of the drop zone, just pick your spots. Like yeah. when it's Saturday at eleven thirty, and I'm covered in sweat, and you've just seen me finish a pack job, and I'm running to the tandem area. Yeah. Chances are I'm moving with intention because I've got some stuff to do. Probably not the best time to yeah. to throw an idea or, trick or grab me for a conversation. So I uh, know I know that. Uh, I've certainly been guilty of not giving the kindest responses in those moments. But uh, but yeah, just uh, we, we've all got a job to do, especially on the busiest day of the week. Do you see that same problem in the tunnel?
2: No, because you can go into the tunnel and then nobody can talk to you. <laughs> so it's, it's perfect. <laughs>
0: it's one of my favorite parts about free fall nobody can ask me a stupid question in free fall. Yeah, yeah. by the way i like stupid questions keep asking them stupid question or stupid mistake you got a choice yeah, yeah ask the question every single day man yeah i remember some of the like dumbest questions i had when i was a new jumper and i'm very happy to answer those questions i really don't believe in dumb questions i believe in dumb people yeah big big difference <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so you're pursuing a tandem rating are you doing an aff rating also I eventually I'll do it, yeah. Yeah? yeah. yeah, I think
0: you approached me with both at first, and then when yeah. you
1: saw the timetable, you're like, ah. Oh. Maybe I'll just do one at a time. So why yeah.
0: pick the tandem rating first? I don't know. Yeah? I would have recommended it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any-
2: it, that's, uh I guess that's doing AFF is more like what I uh, – it's more individual. So I feel like doing the tandem rating, it's a bigger change from what I've been doing. So still jumping my own rig, jumping my own canopy, doing that kind of stuff. I wanted mm-hmm. a, I wanted a big change. I really wanted a new challenge.
0: Man, I, that's, I've never really heard it put that way. I yeah. mean, it makes tons of sense. Yeah. Um, I would have recommended doing the tandem rating first for a different reason, um, no matter who you are. Yeah. How often do you see students grounded for wins? All the time. Yeah. How often do you see tandems grounded for wins? Not, not nearly very. as often, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're going to make a full-time living in skydiving, if tandems are not for you, don't do it the quickest way to hate something is to do something you don't like um hence marriages don't work sometimes uh but tandem ratings they pay the bills and it really goes back to the beginning of our conversation you know first time flyers vr that's not fun because i'm taking (laughs) roller coaster rides tandems even at Spaceland, as much as we're a training system, I still tease you. You're a walking roller coaster, bro. Congratulations. Yeah. No, no, no. And I
2: still I, I, have been doing first-timers in the tunnel for five years now, and I still really enjoy that aspect of the tunnel. So I think that it'll be a, a really cool experience to do tandems. I don't know if I want to do it forever, but I think it'll be a good challenge, and it'll be fun to do for a while.
0: So I hear a lot of my tunnel friends who get sick of first-timers. Yeah. I hear a lot of my tandem friends who get sick of first-timers. Yeah. Why do you what? What is it about first timers that keep you that keep the passion for you?
2: I don't know. I have fun with them. It's a, it's a good time for me. Like it's to see somebody that has no idea what's going on, and especially working in Belgium the last four years. The majority of my first timers we didn't speak the same language. I didn't speak French, and they did. So being able to show somebody and give them an experience without even be able to talk to them. Was, uh, was a really cool experience because once you get in there, we all speak the same language. It, it doesn't matter what you speak once you get inside the tunnel. And uh, you, can, you can take this typical middle-aged mom that was just absolutely terrified that you didn't speak the same language as she did and she would be borderline upset before she went into the tunnel. And all of a sudden, she gets out of the tunnel and she's super happy and she's speaking the best English she can. <laughs> and uh, she just wants to tell you how much fun she had and how great of a job you have. And uh it's it's very rewarding in a
0: sense. Nick, you've done a lot of tandem videos and it's not uncommon that they don't speak English or
1: the same language you speak. Do you have the same experiences with that? I mean the thankfully I have a little bit of Spanish, which is the most common language yeah. that we run into other than English. But um you know, I, I make an effort to connect with people regardless of the language barrier. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, something that they're never gonna you know, maybe they're never going to watch. Maybe they're not going to like showing their friends that they couldn't communicate with, with the video guy or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I, I'm just trying to make a connection with that person yeah, and sure. try and give them the same experience that I, that I would give anybody else. Yeah. But, uh, it's pretty cool, like I, that that moment in the sky. Like my, it's one of my favorite things about shooting video is I get to be the person that shows up and reminds them that we're having fun. Yeah, for like sure. Like that someone can get kind of lost on the exit afterwards, and their eyes, you know, I show up first, and their eyes are wide, and they're kind of looking around trying to orient themselves. Yeah. And then I smile at them and wave, or if it's a lady, mm-hmm. I just always will blow, blow them a kiss. Yeah. And it's like you see their eyeballs change, and they have that smile, yeah, yeah, for and they start this, to interact, and they're like, "Yeah, the this, same in the tunnel. This is awesome. This yeah. is crazy."
0: Body language translates in every
1: language. Yeah.
0: It, it doesn't seem to matter where I've traveled in the world. When I wave at somebody, they wave back. I mean, it, people understand body language.
1: Especially uh, peace signs in Chinese people. I see. Yeah. <laughs> in Japan, we call it peace Peace, out, peace out, peace, out. peace. Out, peace
0: out. Like when I growing up, that's the first I, I grew up a lot in Japan and so that's all I knew. And then I moved back to America and figured out President Nixon used the peace sign, and it wasn't necessarily I'm not a criminal. Yeah. I'm not a no, yeah, that was it. Um so here in America recently, I man, it was like the last two years maybe, there was a drop zone here in Texas that the drop zone owner posted and, and made comments was very public about uh, on their website. If you don't speak English or don't even bother coming to be here. Um, now they also made some, what many people would deem as racist comments, but one of his statements were, if you can't speak English, it's a safety issue. We can't train you if it's not in the same language. Obviously you disagree with that. Hashtag build that ball.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, for teaching people in the tunnel, less is more like we have, we have a video, and as long as you know that this is straighten your legs, this is bend your legs, and this is keep your chin up, like, I can teach you whatever you want, because once we get in there, it doesn't matter what language we speak. And it's the same Man. in free fall, no? Like, uh, yeah, we can we can brief as much as we want before we go up there, but you thinking about every little detail isn't going to help you once we get up there. You're just going to panic.
0: It's going to be hurtful more yeah. than anything else. Yeah, for sure. So you're right now taking a, co- a coach course with Hank the Tank, yeah. uh, with the Rating Center. And one of the terms that we use in USPA, and I really try to emphasize well, is KISS. Keep it short, yeah. simple, specific. Yeah. And uh, right now I'm in the middle of an AFF course with two ladies, Steph and Rita. Yeah. Steph is a teacher, has a secondary education background, has a secondary education. Uh, uh, she was a high school teacher for years, or a few, at least a few years. And Rita is Brazilian. Guess which one is a better teacher, Naturally, the school teacher. Yeah. Guess which one by the end of the course was a better teacher. Brazilian. Yeah. Why? Because she had a select few words of English she could use. Mm-hmm. So her ability to keep it short, simple, specific was very easy. She didn't inundate the student. I was one of the students. She didn't overtrain us because yeah. she didn't have tons to say. Yeah. The fewer words you can use, commonly, the stronger the the message. Yeah. And uh, I am a huge advocate of you don't have to speak the language I speak to get a safe skydive. Yeah, for sure. Some of my best skydives are with people who've never, I, I've, I've done tandems with deaf people. Yeah. We're completely fine. I know the alphabet and sign language, yeah. and after that, I'm a at man.
2: Blind okay, people fly the best in the tunnel.
1: Blind people? Yeah, for sure.
0: I thought you said blonde at first. Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder why blind people
1: fly, they feel everything.
0: Yeah, they feel everything.
1: <sighs> yeah, spatial awareness yeah. is probably next level. Yeah.
2: You bring them to the wall, they touch the wall, you bring them back to the other wall, they touch that, they know where they are, and then...
0: How many blind people have you flown? Oh, I've flown probably... A dozen plus? Yeah, at least. How many of them like, have more than just that first-time flyer experience? Like, they've uh, flown a few
2: times. I would say a few of them have.
0: And what's the most or least amount of supervision you've given them in the tunnel? I mean, you can let them, let them go and fly. How long... I mean, they, they sit there and fly the entire rotation, no problem? I mean, yeah, their second rotation, you can pretty much let them go. And, I mean,
2: they I'm not going to let them go sideways into the wall, but if they're going hands forward into the wall, they're just going to touch the glass and give it a little push. They're they are super aware of where they're at.
0: Oh, man, that would be so beautiful to see. Yeah. One of the things we try to tell skydivers all the time is like, hey, man, rather than think about what your legs are doing, think about what you feel on the legs. Feel yeah. the wind, and when you can feel the wind, then you'll be aware of where your legs are.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Man, how beautiful would that be to yeah. let a blind person... There's a buddy of ours, I wish I could remember who it is, who has a goal of leaving an airplane blindfolded and landing blindfolded. Fluffy. Oh. It's fluffy. Uh, fluffy. Jeff Witt. <laughs> Jeff oh, Witt. yeah,
1: he's the totally the sort that would do that shit, too. You know, Jeff helped us out on uh, a number of the the cutaway Cutaways, jumps yeah. that we've been doing. And, man, he was just game to do whatever. It's like, yeah, hook my Velo up backwards. Yeah, whatever. 2.8 wing loading. <laughs> hook up a canopy backwards. Induce that MF for spinning, man. Uh,
0: next week, we have some decent looking weather. Uh, the beginning, all of next week, I have a Marine Corps contract, so I'm indisposed again. But the first half of the week, we might be able to use a buddy of ours, a Russian buddy of ours, to do a couple more
1: jumps. So I, uh, I can imagine who you might be referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. He,
0: he said he's available all this week. I said, cool. Um, for sure, I'm on board. Uh, what are you guys doing? Uh, Infinity is developing their own MARD. Yeah. Uh, it's a new version of a MARD. that's a little bit different than what's already been on the market. Uh, and uh, the FAA requires 28 certification jumps uh, to certify a MARD for use. And so we're in the middle of that process right now for Infinity. Um, nice. The first test jump on the MARD was also the first certification jump for the MARD. I mean, let's be real. You might as well, if you believe in the product, make all your test jump certification jumps because if yeah. you fail... Start over again when you're ready. Yeah. Hopefully they just don't fail with me underneath. Yeah, it sure, <laughs> it sure has worked so far. Oh, it's been it's been freaking brilliant, man. It's a, uh, you know, it's so funny because somebody told me I think this mart is going to be faster than other marts, and I'm like, how? Essentially said and done, it's the main canopy that's extracting the reserve. So how the fuck do any of them become faster than the other? It's the, the same ma- as the skyhook then, no? Ex- exactly as far as that functionality. One of the neat things, though, is this mart has had 100% capture rate. you know what I mean by capture? Yeah. So, like, where a Skyhook, they say about a 70% capture rate. Some will argue plus or minus. But the, the
1: capture, I'm sure there are plenty of people listening that don't know what that means because I yeah. misunderstood capture when I when we first started this project. Yeah. So, it's uh, the capture
0: is, uh, back to Skyhook has about 70%. And what that means is when you cut away the main pulls on the reserve bridle, pulling the reserve out and then the main and the reserve free bag and pilot chute stay together that's called a capture the main captured the reserve free bag
1: so capture not just meaning that the Mard worked in turning the main parachute into the giant reserve pilot chute that doesn't that That's has nothing not to do with the word capture. Exactly. Captures a capture a that the main and reserve free bag stayed stay together, together and landed as one piece. So you don't and have then to chase down your shit separately.
0: Exactly. If the uh dude, my mother the other night, uh, she talked to me on the phone the other day. She's like, Hey, I'm gonna start listening to the podcast. I'm no. like, No yeah. mom. <laughs> I was like, Mom, you really don't want to. My you parents are super this. devout Baptist Christian, like yeah, super yeah. conservative. So the way I speak, the way I talk, the way my friends speak and talk, they don't want to hear it. Um, I'm super respectful. I'm like, Mom, you really don't want to listen to it. She goes, No, your, my, your daughter or your sister, my daughter, uh, told me you joke around about my accent. Now I want to hear the jokes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> oh, man, she's going to
1: hear more than she's bargaining for. So
0: I told her, like, or <sighs> she, she tells me, she's like, Well, no, like, I understand. And she's like, I want to listen because I don't get the jokes. I'm like, What do you mean? She's like, Well, Debbie told me you joke around that dad's a Marine and mom's Japanese, so you grew up with discipline. I'm like, yeah. She goes, I don't understand. I'm like, what do you mean you understand? So I don't understand the joke. Dad's a marine, so I grew up with discipline. You're Japanese. You have a lot of discipline, so I grew up with discipline. I still don't get the joke. (laughs) It's pronounced discipline, mom. You say discipline. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So then I told her, Zachary, what's Funny about it. it's exactly
1: mom. So she uh. just doesn't hear the difference. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. it's, it's <laughs> right. she doesn't That's process. Awesome. I had a really similar interaction with Francisco the other day, where I was <laughs> trying to. I would write down words that started with sh and words that started with ch, and trying to get him to pronounce them differently. And he would read them the same, and I would say it different. He's like, I just don't hear you saying it any different. It like what like two words? To yeah, I was gonna say give um, us an example. Sheep was one. I think I did sheep and cheap. Sheep and cheap. Yeah. Same thing. Sheep and cheap. Yeah. Sheep and cheap.
0: And I could see him pronouncing both of them like, hey, you're sheep.
1: Yeah. I, I could see him saying them and all. And I, sl- <laughs> I would try and slow down and say it super pronounced as best I could. He's like, you're saying the same thing both times.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which I get, I get it. If you they were telling me some words and like, I hear that about Chinese. And they'll say, oh, if you say this word with this inflection, it means this. But this inflection means this totally opposite word. Yeah, I get it. I can't I can't pick those words apart. It, it's definitely weird. I mean, I,
0: I hear like when I hear other languages, I don't always get it. Japanese I straight up get and understand. I, I hear the differences. But it was so funny to like I don't know how many words I went over with my mom. My sister listens to the show tons and I'm sure in the next hey, week. Hey Debbie. Man, you two have your own she private was, time she otherwise.
1: She was watching earlier. I don't know if she still is. Oh, hey, my girl. hey.
0: She actually has uh, limited her listening time. She has a little daughter who's uh, two and a half now. And early on. She's like, oh, I'll listen to it anytime I want and then eventually she's like, yeah, I can't listen in front of my daughter anymore. She's starting to repeat words and <laughs> the shit you guys say isn't super cool. So Debbie, let me know. Is mom really just fucking with me or does mom really not understand the difference between discipline and discipline? Because I legit think mom does not understand the difference between the two. Hey, uh, you and Sam are supposed to come over and play game night with Brian Menard and us tomorrow. I don't know if you know about that. So Tomorrow? Tomorrow night. It's super That's,
1: lo- that's not going to happen. Okay, cool. No, nobody <laughs> He told me, and I've got a haircut appointment.
0: <laughs> that, that was just an invite I just, yeah, so
1: just on my phone popped up. Um, not, not going. Sorry, Brian. Discipline. <laughs> I will take my shirt off, though. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Wynn and Brian
0: Menard uh, have watched a show on more than uh, one occasion, maybe only one occasion. You've taken your shirt
1: off on the show. We did take our shirts off once. Tex and I took yeah. our shirts off. This was the jo- this was supposed to be the joke. Sorry for anyone who's heard up, this man. story before. So You were here it's, for that one. It's really common that the person yeah, who's driving it. the board here, yeah. when they speak to the camera or when they're speaking, they turn the camera on here so you see them if you're watching the live feed, right? Yeah. So we had planned it out with DJ, hey DJ. We're going to say some stuff, you're going to turn the camera around on you, we're going to take our shirts off, and then you just show us for like a few seconds and switch the camera back as we put our shirts back on, and maybe a couple of people will catch the joke. And so, if you haven't run the board for a while, it gets kind of confusing, and like, you kinda, like you're not familiar with all the buttons. And <laughs> I think so, it was the first time I'd ever run the boards, too. I, it's, it, it was the first time in a while. It may, it may have been the first time on a was live this when show, you Was actually. this when you were here? Or was it the uh, second time you were on? He I was, was here on. for it. I think you it, were. Yeah. I think this then was, that was when the Justin's first, laugh That started. was the first time I ran the board. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it, the camera was on. We did the first part of the joke where he turned the camera on him. We take our shirts off and he turns the camera back on us. And then it just kept stayed there. <laughs> <it> kept Stay. going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're just talking, trying to be normal, waiting for DJ to switch the camera back and try not to ruin the joke of like, hey DJ. Remember the part where you switched back and we put our shirts back? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> man. Well, just a
0: few weeks ago, when you're back here again. Oh,
1: wait. I'm supposed to do this. There we go. Just a few weeks ago, when you're uh, back here uh, running the board, we had to kept, keep telling you, hey, change the camera. Change the camera. Oh, dude. It, it was just the three of us, and we were playing chair musical relay. chairs. Yeah. yeah I The joke did continue, though. Jimmy uh, entered a, f- a video into the film festival this last year. We, we, home, we host a film festival yeah. uh, once a year. And the beginning. Shot in his video, yeah, it was on the, the the background of his screen of his phone. Like his alarm goes off and he grabs his phone to look at it, and that's the background is Tex and I shirtless. Which man, it, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a hilarious joke, <laughs> dude. It was one of the best bits that's, I've seen, That's man. why he won, dude. I mean, and he lie, had Francisco shirtless in his video a fair bit, oh, so true. dude. His video was also
0: off the hook, dude. Jimmy is a creative little motherfucker, man. Yeah, he, he is a badass dude, man.
1: So. And he uh,
2: he really progressed.
0: Oh, my God, yeah. He's, You've known Jimmy since the beginning, yeah?
2: Yeah, I remember when I left for Belgium, I think he was kind of just starting. And I remember seeing videos of him flying with the Rones, and, man, now he's just like, he's killing it. Super cool to see that.
0: Man, one of the secrets, I think, of his success, I think is the secret of, of your success, Nick's, and any, any of you guys who've been good at what you do, is A, set a goal for yourself to get a vision board, Jimmy Wynn. Oh. And uh, <laughs> he,
1: he, he gave a speech about having a vision board. No, he talked. I, he answered my question. Oh, he and answered a question. Fucking lied to the I, public. I asked him about, like, hey, what do you do to set goals? Like, you're someone who's really good at achieving goals. Do you have, like, a, a technique or anything when you t- when you set a goal to achieve it? And he's like, yeah, vision board, something, something. And I have ones, like, about fitness and whatever. And so I made the joke of, like, you mean, you got a bunch of, like, naked, shredded dudes on your wall, like, pictures? <laughs> And uh, then this happened, at, Was it, it wasn't Safety Day, what was it? No,
0: it was uh, Connect the Dots or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so it
1: was like a spaceland transitions course, or yeah. transitions event. And then he came on the show and came clean and admitted that he didn't D- have it. did have board, it. Which <laughs> is admirable to just yeah. totally <laughs> narc on yourself.
0: Yeah. But I think the, the focus, not the vision board joke, but the focus, the determination and I really got to commend Jimmy and, in, and any of you guys. You, you you put a goal in front of yourself, and you work hard at it, man. Yeah, for sure. That boy has earned every bit of what he's gotten as far as flying. Yeah, those. for sure, I man. Mean, he's super shredder.
2: Yeah, super cool.
0: Man, as always, we never get anywhere where we want to get during these conversations. <laughs> we just kind of wander and meander. Um, back to, real quickly, your goal is a tandem rating yep. uh, initially. A very interesting twist. It's the most different thing you can do because, honestly, AFF, I don't think you're going to be super challenged. Um, uh, uh, I think you're going to be challenged at times, but you're going to figure out the flying. There's a little bit different things you're going to have to think about because we're no longer trapped in a tube. I can get a little bit further away from you. I don't think you're going to let me get that far, though.
2: Um, Maybe so I can chase you.
0: Yeah. And then the training. Uh, I you, You'll probably be the guy who lets me get away just so you can practice chasing me. <laughs> um, and, and quite frankly, there might be a time in training where I might say, hey, let me get away from you so you can close a big gap just so you yeah. can see what it's like. Yeah. Uh, but also the training aspect. I don't think you're going to be super challenged by because between all the first-time trainer uh, uh, flights, between all the, the coaching in the tunnel and then organizing, I think the training is going to be good. Yeah. It's neat that the difference of flying a new canopy and training a new thought process. Yeah. Get the tandem rating because it pays the bills. But the beginning of the show, you said you, you, uh, you like the idea of coaching because it's all about teaching flying. Yeah. AFF, that's for, for me the same thing, man. Getting out there and flying with people, teaching them actually how to fly and teaching them to speak our language is a whole nother story. Yeah, for sure. What are you looking forward to the most about AFF?
2: i I don't know it's like i said it's just going to be like the tandem it's just a new challenge it's just something that i i've got over 1500 skydives now and the majority they're all fun jumps like i've never like yeah i've organized and done stuff like that but those are still fun jumps yeah yeah. um i've never done a work jump so it's uh it's going to be cool just to see that side of it
0: is there anything that you're worried about when it comes to working skydiving not really yeah one of the, uh, I think, most common fears, and, and I said this once upon a time, I'm not going to turn what I love into my job. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, if you're not careful, you can destroy what you love. Yeah. Um, obviously, you understand that because the tunnel for the last four, uh, well, more than four years, five, six years yeah. uh, of tunnel, you, you could have very easily done that to yourself. Obviously, you have yeah.
2: But I feel like uh, doing tandems and fun jumping for me or it's almost a different sport no I feel like there's a lot of people that get into skydiving and they start doing tandems or something like that and they get stuck in that and then that's all they do they never progress as an actual flyer so uh, I feel like it's a yeah. uh, it's it's a different it's a different thing for me
0: I love that per- I, so I've, I've not heard somebody say it that way uh, I love that perspective. And, and... Frankly, most of my friends who have a limited flying skill who became instructors lost the passion for the sport easily. For sure. And I look at those who have the ability to fly and have the ability to shred, whether that, de- that ability is developed over time because Nick, when he showed up, wasn't a bad flyer at all, but you've yeah. definitely developed a lot since you've been here. The only thing that changes
1: I can now carve with my legs together. That's the <laughs> only thing I can do.
0: <laughs> You're a lot better than you were when you showed up, brother.
1: <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll say thank
0: you. Okay. That. I've seen you fly a lot. You're definitely better. You can accept that. I didn't
1: say you were good, by the okay, way. Okay, then it's, I can. It's you, <laughs> you're a
0: high-level sucker where you used to suck I, really. Low. I suck a little bit less. You yeah. suck say. less.
1: Um, it
0: it the, the ability to be a great flyer. You're still going to be able to have fun. You're still going to be able to get out there and do yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think you're going to enjoy the most about AFF besides that challenge, that, that newness?
2: Um, the the first time flyer aspect of it and uh, teaching. Uh, just giving back what I, what I've learned, you know, it's, uh, you learn so much flying in the tunnel and doing all this stuff and you, you see how that translate to your students and things like that. So I think, uh, it's good to give back a little bit and see, uh, see other people progress and maybe take somebody in under my wing, like the guys did at Spaceland for me, you know,
1: you sat in on uh, ground school this last Sunday. Yeah. How did that go? It was a long day. Long day. Yeah, it was a long day. It <laughs> was a long
0: day. So
1: uh, long in what way? Uh, I'll
0: throw this bus for you. Uh, Felipe w- is our new instructor. Yeah. He's not <laughs> familiar with our system. He's a very thorough instructor by the sounds of it. Very,
2: yes. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Valerie jumped with one of the students, and she said he was extremely well-prepared and knew his stuff. A yeah. uh, real good kid. Um, which reflects on the training he got in the classroom. Yeah. But I think the nervousness of a new system, Felipe was a little drawn out.
2: Yeah. You came in. Yeah. And he spoke
0: extremely. <laughs> lu- I walked in and he was so loud. I called Dustin out of the room and said, "Did he get loud because he got nervous?" Because I walked in, he's like, "Nope." The whole time he's been this loud.
1: <laughs> I don't know what we're yelling about. Yeah. So did you catch yourself like hearing information that you don't remember? Hearing? No.
2: It was uh, it was cool to see that. The majority of the information was very similar to what I got seven years ago,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's, uh, and it's still good information.
0: You made an actual very interesting point. We were at Malfunction Junction. Yeah. Uh, do you remember where I'm going with this, about attending that first jump course again? Yeah. The timing of it. You said, I attended as a brand new jumper, mm-hmm. attending again 100 jumps would have, and then attending- I said that about the coach course. The coach. You weren't in the coach course yet. Mm. So uh, let me see if I can get your brain a little bit further. I was trying not to steal your thunder. But like, hey, man, attending this this first jump course now it's just a confirmation of what i know we talked about how in this situation you're really not looking at increasing knowledge if you have to attend a first jump course for a coach course and it's increasing your level of knowledge massively yeah you're probably not ready for a coach rating
2: no for sure yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: so in this case you were looking at how a man teaches so you can adapt or adjust or steal yeah away for sure
2: windows. i mean it's uh it's different we teach completely different in the tunnel than a lot of the things we teach in the sky
0: but you also said you thought you saw it could have been a good idea, or would have been a great idea, a hundred jumps to actually have done that as a refresher to really, really yeah learn for those sure
2: things. yeah yeah because I mean it's uh I, I watch the guys in that course and it's it's overwhelming no you're you're going from n- made uh, you've made a couple tandems or something and then all of a sudden you sit in on this normally four hour that day a little over six hour class and then all of a sudden you're down at the mock up grabbing your gear and you're going like it's uh. It's it's intense. It's an intense day for those guys.
0: It's by I love what you said, man, and I really have never thought of it this way, but I would recommend people think about what you said that day. When you have 100 jumps, go take another first jump course, because now when somebody says something to you, it's going to stick into your brain. You can digest it. it all. Exactly. Um, I I don't want to give too many names, so I'll I'll use Jackson's name because I remember him. Jackson has a couple few hundred jumps. He's in your coach course with him. How many jumps does the other fella have?
2: He has, I think, 250, he said.
0: Okay, 250-ish. Yeah. Now, I tell people regularly 100 jumps is what is required to take the course. I recommend at least 200 jumps. Yeah. Yeah. what kind of performance, being polite, being respectful, I'm not yeah. trying to, to talk bad about people, but I, do you see a difference between taking it now versus at 200 or 100 oh, jumps? Oh, for
2: sure. I mean, I've coached a lot in the tunnel. I've gone through the European IBA system, so I have my tunnel instructor rating. I have a, uh, I'm an examiner for tunnel instructors, so right. I've done a lot of training. I've done a lot of coaching. So the things that I see them struggling with, are just things that just take time. I mean, they uh, they both struggle with the briefings a little bit, but that's completely normal. You get yeah. nervous. You got to talk in front of somebody, and especially in front of somebody who's your, you. your instructor, who's judging you and evaluating you the whole time. It makes things really difficult for that. But they they were both just like, man, you're lucky. Like it, it's so easy for you. And I <laughs> I was constantly reminding them, like, listen, if if I would have done this course five, six years ago like you guys are, I would have been doing the exact same thing you guys are. Like I've just gotten used to it and I've done a lot of it now, so it makes it easy for me.
0: You're not lucky. You earned it. Yeah, for sure. You've worked hard but, to be where you're Yeah, definitely.
2: But they, w- when they see that, it's like they automatically think that they should be there. And it's not like that. You you have to understand everything takes time and you have to work on those things.
0: You have almost 10 times the jumps those guys do. Yeah. And and similar in experience. You're an examiner in the tunnel. I'm an examiner in the sky. And and I think you would see, I I love Hank to death, you would see a little bit of difference of the two of us in class. And when I say one one of the differences I would say right away is during evaluation, you obviously have Hank's undivided attention when he's evaluating you. Yeah, for sure. If I'm evaluating you, you don't know I'm listening. Yeah. I, I, I look like I am completely disinterested and disconnected. Yeah. What do you how when you're training instructors do you how do you behave when you're acting like that? It,
2: it all depends on the instructor. It all depends yeah. on how they react and what what they uh, what they how they respond to you. Yeah. You know. So it it all depends on the student. Like some people are, you always get that blank stare, and some people need that reaction. They need that confirmation. They uh, they need yeah. that pat on the back. Otherwise, it makes it really hard for them.
0: I would say the majority of people, though, seem to get more nervous when they know they're being judged. For sure, yeah. Um, So for me as an examiner, if you're an evaluator working in courses or an examiner, I would encourage you to realize that most people get nervous being babysat. Yeah. And they also need that confirmation. They need that validation or justification of their actions. So look disinterested. Look like you're not necessarily paying attention. Yeah. Um, Chris Foodoll is training you to do what we do. Yeah. And and this last week doing the AFF instructor course, both young ladies were very uh, loud the way they spoke. And I say loud. They just project well. They're not loud. Yeah. They project well, and nobody was in the hangar. So I stood halfway across the hangar, and I kept calling them over to me to evaluate. I'm like, hey, you notice how far away I say? He's like, yeah. I'm not sitting over their shoulder. I said as far away as you let me sit. Yeah. And then as soon as I hear something, I'll smile. I'm like, nice. I'll commonly just give that word out. Yeah. How helpful, uh, like, is that the balance you're looking at?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, uh, like, I always think about going back and training new instructors. You, uh, I remember going through the IBA system when you're getting, you're going through your FITP and going through, it was like uh, the instructor, the trainers were trying to kill you. It's like they, it was, they were trying to beat this into you. And uh, that was, you need to earn this. Like, I remember that was kind of the mentality. And after learning through the tunnel instructor program, it was more about prevention and like, yeah, there's, there's definitely times where you need to drop bombs on people and go hard. But at the same time, when you get out of the tunnel, it's not a bad thing to pat them on the back and give them a smile. And like, yeah, you're doing a good job. It's uh, it goes a long ways. Cause when you, you can, you can beat somebody down for a long time and you see it just drains them. But it, it's amazing what a little smile does or, Pat on the back when they get out and they're like, fuck, man, I'm dying. They're sucking wind. They can't breathe. And, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's it.
0: Man, it's uh, definitely the same in AFF. Uh, in, the, in the course, you'll very quickly recognize and probably understand you land from a skydive constantly winded yeah. just because you had to work your ass off the entire skydive. Yeah. And you land commonly frustrated because you're pushed to your limits the whole way. And one of the first things I'll land when we'll do when we land, like, man, you did a nice job at whatever thing I can find to say. Yeah, even for if, sure. Even if it's only one thing, yeah. man, I will acknowledge it, and then we'll be constructive and build from there. Yeah. As, as we get ready to wrap, you've had a lot of time in the tunnel. You're a tunnel examiner. You've been training instructors. What advice would you give to an as- aspiring wannabe tunnel instructor?
2: <sighs> man, uh, I don't know. You got to you got to want it for the right reasons, like. Uh, I've seen, like you said, a lot of the guys here in the States, they go and they work for a year or two, and then they burn out on it. So think about what you're doing, because it's very physical, it's very demanding, and uh, it's not an easy job. So I don't know, you, you, need to, uh, you need to take your time and really test the waters and see if it's something you really want to do. Go and fly 10 hours before you actually go and try and get a tunnel job. Like, See if you really like being in the machine for that long. Because it's uh, it's not an easy job.
0: How many tunnel instructors, uh, we, we see a lot of tunnel instructors show up who really have very little flying time. Yeah. How many of those guys have you seen show up and actually make a long job or career of being in the tunnel? Not many. And, and really, I, I look at Memorial as that great example. Most of our buddies who have been there a long time have been long-time flyers first. Yeah. Long-time skydivers or long-time yeah. tunnel flyers yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. Man, as we wrap, anything else you want to throw out to your friends and family listening out there in Facebook Yeah. No, man. All good. Mr. Thanks P. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here, brother. Uh, what I'd like to do is maybe in a year or so from now, catch back up after Perfect. you've been a skydiving instructor, and then we can compare one world to the other. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Mr. P., what you got? I got nothing. That's it
0: for me. Mr. Grubbs? I got this button over here. Yo, guys and gals, this is Gravity Lab Radio. This has been Dustin Marlet, either way you want to call him. Tune in next week. We may or may not have a show midweek. I'm talking to a buddy coming in from out of town. Mr. P is out of town, so Justin will talk about the schedule. But on the weekend, Donna Jean Jones will be joining the show. Till then, get out of my house, yo. No shot.